Hello, everybody. Welcome to Frame Trap. I am your host, Brad Ellis. I am joined by Daniel Bloodworth. Yo, yo. Yo, yo. And my co-host, Michael Damiani. Fire Emblem. Fire Emblem. That's right. Uh, in case you Fire haven't emblem. heard, Ben Moore, the dragon of Iowa, has returned to his homeland. So I will be being the new host. I'm going to take the role. I was almost the official co-host before for how much I was on this show. So <laughs> Right. I am the host now, and uh, don't worry, all that juicy game talk is still going to be here, all that good stuff. So I'm excited to talk about this list of games we got going on here, but first, how you boys doing? I haven't seen you guys like a week. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you missed the big, the big I know. Ben party. Uh, I know, it's unfortunate, man. I wish I could have been here, but unlucky, dude. Unlucky. It was a good yeah. time. Yeah. I mean, as you'll hear, last week was like Fire Emblem. Fire Emblem. Fire Emblem. Fire Emblem. Every, I know, yeah. Every day except for Tuesday and Thursday pretty much was like Fire Emblem all day. <laughs> Jamming through that long game, yeah. yeah. I know. Oh, yeah. We'll get into that. Yeah, that game's uh, long. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, let's get right into it. Uh, Domini, you've been playing Fire Emblem Warriors Three Hopes? Is that what it's called? Yeah. I always forget the Warriors part. Uh, right. Like when I was writing a review, I'm like, remember? It's Warriors. <laughs> it's like, you want to call it Fire Emblem Three Hopes, but it's like, no, it's Warriors. It's like yeah. the Tyrell Warriors Age of Calamity. It's the Warriors series. Phew. Yeah. Phew. Now, few. Now, yeah, called few. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, I know you've played some Musou games in the past. Yeah. Like, especially the Zelda ones. Well, like, um, before we get into it, what's your history with Musou games? And I was like, yeah, as a well, as a caveat, I didn't play the original Fire Emblem Warriors. Kind of like put right. that one off. I, I forgot that game existed. Yeah. yeah. Just because I already played Hyrule Warriors before, and I'm like, yeah, like Zelda was like, I get what it's probably gonna be. It's gonna be like Fire Emblem yeah. characters in a Musou setting and. You know, a lot of fan service in terms of like the character representation mm -hmm. there. Pretty cool. But that that was what I want to say like before Omega Force, I feel like really got buddy buddy with Nintendo and Intelligence Systems like, hey, why don't we like uh why don't we do some crossovers here right. that are a little bit more focused, that feel genuine. Mm -hmm. At least in my head, Canon, that's how it went down. I because think that's appropriate. Starting yeah. with like yeah, Age of Calamity, Persona Strikers, they've obviously done other IPs before. Yeah. But I feel like these last few have tried to emulate the series, they, or at least the game they were being a part of, mm -hmm. like more authentically, and right. it comes across that way. Well, yeah, I think visually in particular, mm -hmm. you know, like, because I feel like before, they were sort of just like, like you're talking about, like the first Hyrule Warriors. Like it didn't really feel like yeah, it looked like right. any Zelda game. No, it, it just looked like they totally. sort of dressed up a, exactly. a Dynasty Warriors map. Exactly, it's a yeah. great way to put it. And like I think of the Age of Calamity, it was like it's like the eye test. It passed the eye test. You <laughs> until you get to the game, the the combat, the, right. the, the the Muso segments, you think you are playing. A, a Breath of the Wild like follow up. You yeah. think you're playing a Three Houses follow up here, and even Persona Strikers like oh, I'm just playing more Persona Five right mm -hmm. now. And then you get into the combat, it's like okay, it's a different game. But right. every they do everything. That's and it's more than just visuals though. Yes, it's like how much effort they put into it. Yeah, so yes, it's a lot of it is the presentation down to like the menus, the sound effects, the icons, all being l straight up lifted from the game that they're they're. Yeah. they're uh, before we get of. into all but, the yeah, systems yeah, yeah. and all that stuff, I have a question. Is this a sequel to Three Houses? So it, just like the ones, it's all these have been what ifs. They're all okay, what, these what are ifs. All, I was like, uh... <laughs> th these are all not canon. Right. Like, in, like, it's cl very clearly marked. If you played all of Fire Emblem Three Houses, yeah. like any of the campaigns you play through, don't the what happens post time skip? I mean, right. It's okay to say there's a time yeah. skip in the original Fire Emblem Three Houses. Doesn't 
that's not what they did in Three Houses. So, like, they're not following up. These are new stories that sort of follow the logic of what was going on in there, mm-hmm. but, like, kind of take a lot of liberties. And uh, it, it's, it goes in slightly different directions. And it incorporates more characters. Um, for example, like, the DLC characters, the Ashen Wolves, oh, really? are part of all three routes. And now mm. and you can technically mm-hmm. get all of them together as well and have them interacting with all the members of, like, the different houses as well, which is something you didn't really get to fully explore in, yeah. in the original. Yeah, what you um, what, so like I think all of us kind of know in our audience have a general idea of what a Musou game is, you know, just killing hordes of enemies. But you were saying how these things are kind of these newer Musos are kind of leading into the source material more yeah. so. What you tell me a little about that? So, with the context of uh, Three Hopes, it's basically everything about Three Houses outside of like the actual turn-based battles mm-hmm. is almost lifted one to one, and then they've added even more on there. So, uh, bond, oh. as you would love to say, bonds right. like the character support systems in there, where you're trying to like form relationships with people to rank up from like C to B to A. Mm-hmm. There's no marriage or S rank, as far as I've seen in here. I, like you. They do something different. I won't spoil it, but okay. like, there's no like get married to a character, but all the other characters as well. And you have those support conversations, so they mm-hmm. have that core there as well. Replacing tea time, this which was like the one-on-one kind of like segments where you try to like guess three answers right. and get like yeah. the best thing, and then have like a little fun time with them. Uh, where you could like just like move the camera around them and like make them sparkle. <laughs> it get a little weird at times, but uh, now it's expeditions. You go yeah. on a horse ride out to one of four different locations, and you unlock more. Like you start with one, and you unlock more as you progress to the game. Um, they got like the cooking again, mm-hmm. where you pick two people, and you get like instead of like it gives you buffs that apply to the Muso combat system versus right. like the SRPG system they got like armor they got like we buy your gear the blacksmith which lets you repair and reforge they have like durability but it's not your weapon breaking it's used for something else we could talk oh. about when we get into the combat oh, okay I mean they have they added new stuff on top of this like so in the original at Garrick Mock Monastery you had all these locations they had a few other side activities that didn't make it over like fishing mm-hmm. um, but you didn't really improve and expand upon any of these facilities. They 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 might they would knock over time, but you didn't add extra you didn't upgrade features them, to them. Yeah. And this they do that. There's a resource management oh. now where in missions and or as you expand a, a supply vendor, they'll start harvesting like r- uh, resources to you after every mission as well. You spend those on improving facilities, so like maybe prices at the market go down, new wares come in Ooh. at the armor, so you get access to better equipment, or you can train more people at the training field than just like the starting like amount. You can expand it to like almost your whole active roster at some yeah. point, like minus a few, and then it just goes from there. And like you, like you have to pick and choose where you spend that because it's the economy in the early goings. The far the first half of the game, the economy is very tight, both in, both in gold okay. and in like resources. So. You really got to pick and choose, so you have that kind of, uh, mm-hmm. I'll say, tension. That's kind of kind of like what you feel in a perso- like a Persona Five or Four. Mm-hmm. You can't build every relationship on your first playthrough. You're like, eh, oh, yeah, it's yeah, little, yeah, yeah. you mm-hmm. got to pick. You yeah. got to. <laughs> it's kind of nice to have that. So, um, this you got you got your base. Is it kind of like in Three Houses where you actually walk around in it? Yeah. So the, it, oh. it's literally like a different version of Garrick Mock. It's a base camp. It's yeah. like a military base camp. You have like the mess hall. You have like the war room. You have like the bunks or whatever where yeah, people yeah, can yeah, like yeah. like sleep. You have the medical facility, a training field that you mm-hmm. do go walk over to, and then like the whole marketplace area. I don't know if it's as big. As Garrick Mock, but like it's decent size. Right. And it's the same through no matter what campaign you pick, the, the layout's the same well, for I all think, three. Like 
Carrick Muck could have used a little trimming in a way. Like I yes. felt like there's like a lot of walking through big open <laughs> well, yeah. space. Well, could, yes. Yeah. It sells the, the theme, but it's like, yeah, when you're you trying fast, to go around a lot. You have quick, yeah. you have fast travel yeah. as well. Yeah. So, I mean, you could fast travel to any individual character, any individual vendor facility, mm-hmm. um, or like any general region of the base camp as well. So like mm-hmm. they made it as easy as you want to, you nice. know, to yeah. run around after like the first time. So you said the word earlier, the magic word, bonds. Mm-hmm. Fire Emblem Three Houses, that was the first Fire Emblem I actually fully played through. And I was surprised how much that was impactful, or such a large part of the game. I had no idea it was going to be that large. How much does that carry over into this? I assume everything's kind of a lighter version. Like, combat, probably the focus, there's some of this sprinkled throughout, but is this whole, like, you know, getting to know your squad mates super in-depth again? It's the same level of depth. Most, Same level some character, I mean, some characters have three support conversations with the main protagonist. Yeah. And within each other, they at least have one. Some wow. only have like a C rank conversation. Some only have a B rank. Some do have A. It's like contextual. Mm-hmm. Like people who are in like the starting like squad will all probably have a way to like go to at least B. But as you bring in members from other uh, or like other sides of the war, mm-hmm. um, they might only go up to like a C. But like because there's a larger volume of characters in this one, you have more interactions here. For example, like I said, the Ashen Wolves, you can see them interact with every single cool. character. character. Wow. Uh, maybe not in a single playthrough, but like you might have to do a second or third playthrough to get access to certain other characters. They all have like, support conversation with them, mm-hmm. and they all are kind of relevant. They, some of them retread a little bit familiar ground sure, from yeah. Three Houses. Yeah, That's to course. be expected, but yeah. they do their best. Um, and they're all generally p- pretty interesting. It's kind of hard with that many characters to keep yes, everyone. <laughs> like each each house has like a sort of similarish character, but like mm-hmm. good enough job that everyone feels pretty much unique. Yeah. So I imagine there's maybe crossovers that were possible in this game that weren't in Three Houses. Maybe characters interacting and having bonds that you didn't expect. Yeah, I, I think they do get to because it is a. Post time skip. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know it was post time skip. Well, because they're all like it's like the very one of the first prologue chapters is just called Three Houses. So (laughs) it's like you're at the school, you do one mission, and then something happens, and then you fast forward of like you do a time jump, and Mm. then now everyone's at war. And mm. you pick which side, you basically which side you picked in the school is whose perspective from the war you're going to see. Got it. Um, okay. And yeah, they definitely go a little bit of a deeper dive, I feel like, on each of the three regions. You get like a oh, little really? bit more insight, even into like smaller secondary characters mm-hmm. who popped up in three houses. Like maybe certain like villainous like counts and like uh, dukes and stuff might be showing up again. Oh, okay. Um, but that also might be some of like maybe potentially some of the downfall or like some of the setbacks of it is it feels incredibly long and drawn out. Oh. <laughs> Whereas like you've already done this. Here's the thing. It's not a true sequel. Yes. It is the same cast. It is retreating some familiar ground and yet it's roughly the same length as playing through uh, yeah, like three houses and it's like that's the drawback to me is like maybe this is too much of a good thing. I, I could have used like maybe half of this and it would have been great. I remember uh, Age of Calamity feeling very long. Mm-hmm. Mm. Felt very long, and oh, I know these games yeah. have ton of extra stuff to do. So you can probably pump in hundred something hours in this game, probably pretty easy if you want to see everything. Yeah, I mean, um, so you can carry over your progress, like all your stats, gear, everything unlocked. New game. Oh it's yeah, like new I'm, game. I'm, yeah, I'm curious how, how long plus. a new game plus takes. Then. Yeah, you just start from the beginning again, mm-hmm. and then you just need to choose a different house at the moment, and then from there. Up to a certain point, I think the chapter four, everything's mostly the same. And then from there on out, you get unique. Uh, I think each uh, 
well, double double teens. It's in the teens. How many chapters okay. are double in each teens, playthrough? Yeah. Um, and yeah, it, it it definitely you get a different perspective, and it goes in different directions. You, even like the outcome, like obviously, is going to be a little bit like different depending on which each yeah. play right. you play. Uh, you select. So it yeah, it, it adds like I think I played till the end of part one on the. It's called Azure Gleam, the Blue Lions version yeah, of it. Yeah, that's Dimitri. my house. <laughs> yeah, and Fargus um, got halfway through that, and that's with like being overpowered. So like, um, one of the uh, I'll get into it later, but mm-hmm. some of the longest missions have a time like goal where you're supposed to beat it in before of like oh. twenty five to thirty minutes. I'm yeah. being those like in ten minutes oh, okay. easily oh, okay. <laughs> because like I'm so over leveled. But <laughs> even with that, I like. I'm still watching cutscenes. Ten hours, mm-hmm. ten hours to get halfway through. So like, it's probably be half the time uh, for a playthrough that powered up. And I imagine it'll be a little bit faster right, on the third playthrough yeah. if I do that. I think that's so. At, so yeah. forty-five plus ten, fifty-five. I'm at. So probably like around like seventy-ish hours, sixty-five to seventy hours, a hundred percent. I mean, hundred percent. That there's a whole achievement system. I don't know. It's like don't a, get into that's that. like a Dragon Quest game. But yeah, yeah. it's basically seeing the three routes. Yeah. Yeah. Good lord. Uh, I was going to ask you about the blue lines because Dimitri's my boy. Yeah. Oh, Quick yeah. Quick thoughts. How is he? Oh, you, like, you're getting more of him like in his background. Yes. I mean, oh, again, some of it's been retread. They go over like the he's very obsessed with uh, the conspiracy around how his father was yeah. murdered. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, about the tragedy of Dusker. Yes. That was a big yes, thing was, with yeah, the dude and stuff. House, like, yeah. what's going on Love there? He's obsessed with solving that, and that's kind of like part one's focus, because it's all as far as I got. Mm-hmm. It's like, he is dealing with Edelgard and the Empire, trying to, like, you know, conquer. Yeah. Edel- the, the crux is Edelgard, for some reason, is trying to capture Garrick Mock and wants Rhea dead, essentially. Right. He wants to yeah. wipe out the central church. You take her in as a refugee and are protecting her because you have an alliance with the with the church and mm-hmm. like it's you don't want to abandon that obligation and so now you two are at war. There's betrayals. Like some lords want to be loyal. They like oh we see who's gonna win. We're gonna do that. Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. And in the midst while he's dealing with all that, he's also really focused on figuring out the the, the truth about his father's murder and and uh, you know everything that happened. Right. And you know even something might happen to him. Yeah. Um, from a gameplay perspective, I remember. I felt like um, Age of Calamity incorporated some cool elements from Breath of the Wild, actually, like the mm-hmm. Sheikah Slate, you know, making oh, yeah. bombs and stuff like that, just fun little things. How is, what is this incorporating that feels very Fire Emblem to you, gameplay-wise? Yeah, so the maps are definitely just, though, the biggest, stark, the starkest contrast, and it's, like, for good reason, mm-hmm. Breath of the Wild's maps the missions were a little bit more open because right, like they wanted they're based like, off the actual game. yeah but they also wanted you like to do a little bit more exploration mm-hmm. and a little bit more traversal where these are very much like square square like environments connected by like rectangular corridors so even though it's not a, it's a real-time game it's still the maps still kind of feel like you can tell a grid like oh and yeah. so like now you can see which objectives you need to go it's a little bit easier to process i mean older muso games obviously right. look like this too but the the stre- and this has also been in past Muso games as well, issuing commands to your other characters mm-hmm. so that you tackle multiple obje- objectives because the situation would come up where 
early on, it's not possible for you to handle everything yourself. So that's where they're leaning more into the strategy thing. It's like, oh, there are these three um, these three strongholds that are under assault right now. You can't get to all three of them. You need to go and take them all within this time limit. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, look, the, a commoner has appeared over in this corner of the map, and they're under assault. But you're dealing with something over here. You can't just like, abandon this thing. So it's like you got to send people over to go do that. Mm-hmm. And it, it's basically that. It's just juggling characters. And, like, where it leans a little bit more into Fire Emblem is, like, enemies have weapon types, and it follows the right. weapon triangle system. So if the dude over there who's throwing the commoner is uh, a lance user, I'd, uh, sword beats axe, axe beats lance, you'd want to send one of your axe people over to go deal with them. And it'll leave, like it's visually represented very easily. Like, you'll see, like, a, an up arrow that shows mm-hmm. that your character will have an advantage. Like, down arrows are like, oh, you're at a disadvantage. It even does the Fire Emblem thing of showing you the the, the calculated outcome. Like, mm. oh, really? like 71% cool. chance you should win this fight. <laughs> That's so cool. When you, it was, like, for the landing a strike used to be what it was for. Now it's like, you will probably win this by this mm-hmm. percent. So it, it's, like, the stat crunching, the number crunching. Like, I think that's, that's cool still to have there. Still. But as you progress further, it's not really that important. Oh. I mean, if you crank up the difficulty, imagine that you have three difficulties at the beginning and you unlock maddening at the end. Mm-hmm. But from what, as far as I can tell, it just makes things more of damage sponges. Uh, it even says, like, enemies are going to have higher HP and will do right. more damage and there's greater rewards. I don't like that. I don't mm-hmm. like when enemies take forever to kill in a Muso game. Sure, yeah. So it's, I think yeah. it's not satisfying, like a like a Souls boss or yeah. Like I think something it's okay on some yeah. boss enemies, but yeah. if there's definitely a fine line with that, where you're just like, please die, kind yeah. of thing. Right there. <laughs> yeah. Well, especially yeah, with when those games when they have those time limits and you're trying to like manage like multiple parts of the map, mm-hmm. you know, and just yeah, if you're on top of that struggling with just getting through remedial enemies, I can see it being a pain. Uh, I think one of the appeal of a Musou game is, like, I'm not really huge on Musou games, but every once in a while they touch an IP I'm really into, where I'm like, man, I just want to play as these characters, like the One Piece game, mm-hmm. the One Piece Pirate Wars yeah. 4, I'm like, I know I'm going to get bored of this game, but I want to be that character kind of thing. How are the character selection is this? So that's the thing. Characters themselves aren't, like, what make the unique movesets. It's jobs. It's the like oh, you're, okay. you're the beginner, advan- in, beginning, beginner, intermediate, advanced, master uh, jobs and move sets vary based on that. So like if you go down like uh, like uh, the mercenary route, I believe with the sword, you become like a uh, you end up like as a mortal savant. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's called is like the last thing, and there's like something in between. Um, they're like the special classes also appear like a. Your main character can become like a Ashura or whatever, like this mm-hmm. like samurai looking dual wielding, cool. which is pretty cool. Um, like uh, Edelgard has like Emperor as yeah, like a, yeah, a unique yeah, yeah. advanced class, but like there's like Holy Knight, Dark Knight, like. Uh, so it sounds the, like they have a lot of the jobs. Yeah, but th- that's what it does. So like yeah. you start with like a basic axe user, you just like basic like mm-hmm. one, two, three. It's like light, light, or X, 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 X up to four, and then. Anything from one, two, or three, you can follow up with a Y at the end, and it does like a, a, a heavy yeah, finisher. Yeah, yeah. And eventually, that expands as you get down down the line. You get more XXXs to, and then the Y branch changes. Mm-hmm. And then you have like your warrior gauge. When it fills up, it starts with like one bar. You can expand that down the line. And when you have a full meter, that's like their special attack, and those are based again on your jobs. Like it'll do a unique attack, like the. 
default one for the main hero just looks like you're doing like a thousand sword slashes all over the place like yeah. really fast and everyone just lifts up <laughs> and then like the second sword job I got they like make like this giant sphere that looks like almost like a glowing moon like a, a like a new moon and then like you like turn around and slash it almost like Odin style and oh. it goes through and everyone just gets like knocked back yeah. and you do like this pose which is probably the sickest thing I've, I've seen yeah but I mean everyone else has like like mages have like meteors and stuff like that it's very Fire Emblem flair. Yeah. And it's very easy to understand and digest, I think, because it's not so as flashy as some of the other games. Because you're saying One Piece, you want to see those crazy moves. Oh, yeah. Like Zelda. Oh, yeah. I love seeing those crazy interpretations of the move sets. Like, <laughs> right, yeah. Especially in the OG Higher Wars, like King of Red Lions, doing like waves and stuff. It's like, <laughs> that's, that's like, to me, that's what that's this game sick. is not doing. So if you're looking oh. for the, like, the flashy stuff like that, mm. the more fantastical, mm. that's different games. This is definitely more rooted because the nature of Fire Emblem is not really flashy combat. It's like medieval warfare, yeah. and it's pretty much adhering to that as best as it can. So, but like, let's say, can you play as like Felix in this? Yeah. Oh, okay. So how it works is you bring in uh, active party members, uh, you select it from the map, and you can control a certain amount. I'll show you on the left side, like your party list, mm -hmm. and you use like the D-pad to cycle through, or you can just go onto the map and select a character, and under the command list, you can say, take control of, and just instantly s swap to them. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you play as Felix, but like his, whatever job he's on, is what his, his moveset moves, will be. So like, yeah, if, if him and like Dimitri are both, both make them mercs, mm -hmm. and they're both just like wielding like a sword or an axe, or they're literally gonna have the same attack moves. Now, there is some variation to that. Okay. You have, uh, each weapon you equip can have special abilities, and okay. as you, your job unlocks, you remember in, uh, in Three Houses, there mm -hmm. was like a menu with like, looked like special abilities, and they had like cool little icons by them, mm -hmm. um, and some of them were just stat boosts, like extra 500 HP, or like better stats against like an Axe user or something like that. Those compound and they can also uh, they, they improve your character. But you also have like uh, eat spe two specials you can lock to your weapon. And they're like, and when you go to a char the character menu, it's in like the bottom left. Uh, so the more you learn, and depending on your job, like you can mix and match. So like me, my main character at the Asura uh, thing, I have a like a mage spell, like mm -hmm. it looks like a, a tome, that summons like this dark meteor thing that just obliterates everything. But then the other one is called like quick step or quick, quick slash. And it just breaks any enemies that like block mm -hmm. or they haven't their shield that you have to break down to do like a flurry attack isn't like available yet. It like just breaks through all of that and just like shatters them so that like you can follow up if they weren't killed. But I mean, at my level, I'm just one shotting everyone I use that. But like earlier on, it would lead into now do your XXXY combo, the one that leads into like breaking the shield a little bit mm. more and like you break them down faster. Mm -hmm. That's where durability comes in. Okay. So instead of weapons breaking, like in Fire Emblem, I'm like, oh, it's only got 30 uses. Each of those two abilities has a, a cost associated with it. So let's say okay. each is 10. And let's say your durability is at 100. You can use the combination of those two spells any amount of times that lead up to 100 before when you hit zero, you can't use them anymore. If you don't have enough currency, you just locked out of your specials. Within the maps... There are pots that are color coded that each gives you certain things like green gives you a health like potion, mm -hmm. yellow gives you awakening meter, uh, blue gives you the uh, sorry, yellow gives you warrior meter, blue gives you the awakening meter, which is something different. And it's then like your devil trigger, basically it's your devil <laughs> trigger. And then there's the purple ones that re 
the fix or re- sorry replenish durability. Okay. So you won't, like for me, I like to burn through a lot of those mm-hmm. and then go find more because they feel like more satisfying to use and they feel a little bit more like in- akin to like the Fire Emblem system, like using those against like oh. I'm a sword user, this axe user, this is going to obliterate them right, in one yeah. shot if I use that. Where against someone I'm weak against, if I use this, it's not really gonna do that much. And I kinda appreciate that kind of kind of reverence to the the the, the weapon triangle mm-hmm. system to an extent. But as, as you get more powerful, it erodes that yeah, a bit it doesn't to really the point where it doesn't matter. And there's also things you can do to counter that. Uh just a few quick questions left. Um performance. Much re- and, oh, much better than Age of Calamity. It's, it's definitely a step up. Now, with the caveat I realize is that uh, Hyrule Warriors is using much larger environments. Yes. Right. Yeah. Uh, however, like, so they're still popping. Mm-hmm. They're still popping. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, even when you're just walking around the base camp, like, you fast travel to a different spot. The NPC you travel to might take, like, two or three seconds to show up. <laughs> uh, okay. That was also in three houses as well. So, <laughs> okay. like, okay. it might just be the fire engine there. <laughs> however, like, in battle, there are points where, like, they're, not, like, a few enough in a closed environment. And a few enough, I swear it was, like, looked like it was hitting 60 for just a few seconds. A few seconds, okay. Um, but, like, in it, it, like only when like every one of your allies and a bunch of enemies were on screen did it like it noticeably like drop below like it didn't feel like it was even like close to thirty anymore but like it felt much better Good. overall and uh, loading times oh my god maybe, again maybe because you small environments but like it's like almost instantaneous Good. it's That's nice because Hyrule Warriors like had a abominable load times. It was the worst. <laughs> Be like waiting here for like sometimes like almost like half a minute, like 30 seconds. Yeah. Like, come on. Yeah. Come on watching that. Uh, the Breath of the Wild loading thing too. It's like, that's nice. The little divine beast walking across, or the characters walking yes, across the screen. Yes, I do remember that now. Can we yeah. just move on here? Yeah. Um, it sounds like to me you've been enjoying yourself playing this game. You're having a... You're entertained. Yeah, it's definitely because of how authentic it feels to fire them three, house, uh, three right. houses, how much I l- really like that game and want more of it. So tell me, what do you think, what are you not happy with about this game so well, far? So uh, uh, again, it boils down to, it honestly boils down to a preference. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, how much do you like the Musou gameplay? And if you love Musou gameplay, and it, 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 like this is probably you're probably, probably gonna, gonna enjoy this more. So this is probably gonna like shift towards like the higher end of the spectrum right. for you. Whereas like I don't think at the end of the day it offers enough of the strategy element. It's trying its best. Mm-hmm. It tries in unique ways to try and weave in the strategy element of the SRPG turn-based grid battles of Fire Emblem, but they don't feel as satisfying to complete. Like I feel like when I do a Fire Emblem battle, at the end of every mission, it's like an ordeal. I'm like, wow, that was yeah, sure. really good. And like making sure I didn't lose anyone. Like they do have permadeath in here, like they have that Ooh, type of yeah, stuff. Cool. Um, there are people you can recruit as well. They have stuff like that, but it's not it, 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 yeah, I get it. It's apples and oranges, but I personally am saying I prefer Fire Emblem when it's doing yeah. its grid-based, turn-based Actual stuff Fire versus Emblem. to this. It's it's a nice yeah. gesture. Yeah, I mean, it made me think this is crazy. I wouldn't, I never would say this in the review because it doesn't really have a place there. But like, my dream has always been to have the Valkyria Chronicles team make a Fire Emblem game. Oh, because yeah. I want that. Because <laughs> that's, that's that's an a, SRPG. Yeah, that's a. And really I think that's the best idea. way to do real-time combat in a Sega, SRPG. Though. Yeah. So I mean, if they ever, I mean, when we got SMT Cross Fire Emblem, I thought maybe we yeah, get maybe. Like, right. something cool, but like, yeah, that was not what we got in the end. So that the dream still is, but this is probably the one of the like, a step below that. Still, like what I would yeah. pick over some other systems, it's, and it's fine. Mm-hmm. It's just a lot of the environments 
So Breath of the Wild, you mentioned environments. A lot of them are very memorable, iconic. Yeah, because you're like, oh, this is Hyrule Field. I recognize this spot. There's the castle. Oh, yeah, Zoro's yeah. Domain. Yeah. Like, and like, like the best thing I like to point out about the game, you go to like the Yiga Clan hideout, you see more of it than even in, in the, the original game. game. <laughs> yeah. They went above and beyond. This is just taking like towns, mountains, fields, and like they literally are like, I think, lifted from Fire Emblem Three Houses, like the themes of the battles. But visually, they're not just as like pleasing and in like diverse and yeah like, they don't feel yeah. distinct maybe yeah so it's like not as fun to go through them and they get a little repetitive and mundane at the end it's like okay i'm back in this yeah castle yeah again. Definitely. okay and it's like doesn't have that a charm and novelty wears off way faster yeah. so it just has some of those illusions that start to erode a little bit faster than maybe let's say in like age of calamity but like i think they're doing two different things and that's yeah. why i think probably overall i'd give the nod to fire emblem over age of calamity um, just because, like, the performance and the loading was so bad in Age of Calamity. And yeah. Yeah. It, it was, okay. like, really hard to overlook that. Blood, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know what your opinion on Musou games is or anything like that. What, yeah, I've just never been able to what, get into What's them. it going to take yeah. for you to get in there, though, Blood? What, what Nintendo IP? Are we talking, like, Pikmin Musou or something? No, I mean, it would zero. Should be if, if, I mean, if anything, zero. it would probably be... Eight. Yeah, it would probably be uh, Hyrule Warriors, but oh. even that, oh, okay. it's just... Blood's, it's never it. happening then. Yeah. It's, it's never happening. <laughs> <laughs> what about Metroid? That'd be weird. That'd be super Ooh, weird. Like, underground and stuff? With, yeah. like... I don't know. Exploration screw, and all that stuff? attack through, like, hordes of enemies. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I have been playing over the last few weeks... And Ben was also playing this too. I've been playing a lot of Monster Hunter uh, Rise Sunbreak. Yeah, I was, expansion. I was just checking over his, his review last night. Yeah. Oh, okay. Nice. It's, I will say it's massive. All this right. game is long. I've been playing this game for weeks, man. I felt like. And um, just I felt like you have been playing it for, for weeks. weeks. Yeah, yeah, I have been playing it for weeks. Um, <laughs> just so everyone knows, my history with Monster Hunter, I tried some of them a little bit in the earlier days. I tried, I think. Monster Hunter 4 on 3DS for yeah. at game trailers I tried it for something and I was like eh don't really want to play this on a handheld kind of thing I don't like playing <laughs> on handhelds anyways but once Rise came out big console you know the modern consoles I was like okay Rise or World you mean sorry World, world. Okay. Yeah, I was yeah, like yeah. alright there's too many Monster Hunter names I'm in <laughs> fell in love with Monster Hunter this came out Rise came out on Switch played on Switch stinky Switch you know PC version came out. Unfortunately, couldn't transfer everything, so I had to go through it again. That's still just It's nuts. so stupid. Oh, Please yeah, fix that rough. in the future, Capcom. Don't let that so happen. So rough. But then I've been playing this on PC, and Sunbreak's really good. I think I'm enjoying this more than the base game, and I did enjoy the base game a lot. Yeah. So. Yeah, like, I only really played the demo of the base game, but it was yeah, like, super I, fun. Yeah, like, it I really like the way those maps are laid out and everything. Yeah, so this time around, like, Iceborne... It's massive expansion. There's a whole new area you go to. There's two new maps this time around. One's like a jungle, like with a beach and everything going on. You got jungle and caves going down. One is like a, might as well just be like a from software level, essentially. <laughs> there's like a ruined oh, castle and everything like that. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. There's like all this crazy force, but some of these monsters are <laughs> really sick. I don't know. I know some of them are new, but like I said, there's been a lot of Monster Hunter games, so I don't recognize a lot of them, maybe. Oh, yeah, the returning ones, yeah. yeah. There is this, like, this gorilla who has, like, armor on him, and he's got, like, a water punch and a fire punch. This guy just goes, he punches the gun and goes, boom! 
boom, and he flies up behind you, then like punches you in the back. I'm like, dude, this is so sick. I love stuff like this. Yeah, the way Ben was describing it is he like basically like punches the ground and then like absorbs lava on yes, like one he has, hand. Yes, like, lava and like water. And like he on... like absorbs like moss or something. Yeah, yeah, something crazy like that. But this guy is super sick. There's like some vampire kind of dragon thing. He's like the 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 box monster. I guess. Okay. He has, like, yeah. I don't think he's like necessarily a vampire, but he puts like a debuff on you. It kind of reminds me of a vampire. <laughs> but it's been a lot of fun playing these guys around. The big twist this time around is the switch skills. So switch skills, if you played Rise, are kind of like special moves, I guess. Like for I play longsword, so I don't know a lot about the other weapons. But one of them was like you kind of leap into the air and slash down, and like it burns your meter. But this time around. You're able to equip multiple different switch skills and switch them on the fly. So, like, okay. before you could have, like, two equipped or something like that. So you had to really choose what kind of switch skills you want. And you're like, okay, I'm going to lock into this one. I'm going to lock into this one. That's it. I can't change it. This time around, though, it's like, hey, man, you can have, like, two or three more now also while you're playing. So they added some really sick new ones. Like, this one, I, I really love this one. It's, like, with the longsword, you hook onto them, and it kind of, like... Uh, pulls you into them. You do some sick slide slash. Mm. I'm like, damn, you gave me so much more cool mobility right. with the longsword this time around. And also, when you do it, though, you got to, like, do an action to actually switch. So okay, you got to do it at the right time. But if you're good, or not if you're good, but you can also do a jump to get out of the way. It kind of just adds a whole new level of depth. Every Monster Hunter game I've played, I feel like they've added more and more layers of depth to the combat where it really... Feels good to match this kind of. It reminds me of a fighting game, essentially. Like I, you really study these moves. You can you can go in there, hop in, chop some dudes up, and have a good time. But if you really focus and learn, it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of depth to it. Um, but yeah. like, I know all Ben was saying with the yeah the swapped it was two. Is it like it allowed him to experiment more? You know, because yes. again, it's like you only have so many things that you can equip at a time. And since you can really, like, only change those out between mm-hmm. missions, it would be like, well, I'm just going to go with, like, what I'm comfortable with. Whereas, like, now you can throw That's on other skills and, yeah. and, and mess around a bit more. Yeah, they're just kind of adding a new layer of death all the time where I'm just getting to the point where I'm like, how much further can you kind of go with fleshing these things? <laughs> it reminds me of yeah. uh, Fantasy 14 where they're just like, okay, we got to rework this kind of class thing. Like, <laughs> it's reached its limit. We got to do something new. I'm just like, man, I don't know how much further you can go, but I am having a damn good time playing this right now. Uh, one new thing they also added is uh, there's hunts you can do with NPCs now. They're okay, ca- they're I like, saw that in the trailer. Yeah, they're kind of like uh, companion quests, I guess. So, you know, you get a quest to yeah, you kill a, a Rathlos, you know, and you got okay. a character you recognize from Rise to go with you. I don't think they're as good as a normal player, which I didn't expect them to be. Yeah. But they can do some really cool things. Like, I've been fighting monsters, and sometimes they're like, hold on a second. I need you to take. I need you to hold this down for a second. They go away. They come back on a monster. They're actually riding ah. the monster, and they will fight that monster. They like <laughs> take them out. I'm like, dude, this is so sick. It's so rad seeing these NPCs. You know, actually fighting alongside you, and doing some cool things that I didn't expect. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of part of the appeal. Is just like because you've gotten to know that character. Because otherwise, yeah. to me, it would just so feel like, like yeah. why not just be multiplayer? You know, yeah. like my 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 playtime in this game is like ninety hours or something like that. And I've seen you sitting in the hub for <laughs> so many hours, just being there talking to me every now and then. But it is a nice extra step to have them on the battlefield with you. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I also mentioned some people like who want to maybe just play solo, but also have like a mm-hmm. little bit of like a 
aid from from them. Yeah, it makes sense. Like they, any game that has AI controlled people that help you out in a multiplayer game, like they have to be less competent than human players, so that people are incentivized to play right. with other people. Otherwise, everyone's gonna start not playing with each other. Like, no, the AI is better than you. I don't. Why would yeah. I ever play with you? So I use the bread and butter. There. Yeah, I so because I I did a lot of these quests because you know I. I had the game early and I couldn't really play online with anyone, so I was just yeah. like, "Oh, check these out!" And it was—I had a good time. And you know, it's, it just adds a little camaraderie to the hunt. And do they also, lock you in to just playing with the AI, or do you have them alongside of other players too? Um, I don't think you could do them with other players. Got I think it. they're okay. single Either player or. only. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure they're single player only. Do they have any kind of like independent gear level system? So or? there's some missions like. There's follower quests you can do, and there's, like, follower... I think it's called surveys. I'm not exactly sure, but there are other missions you can do to hunt other monsters with AI companions, but you can choose which companion you want to come with you, and you can, try and you can choose their weapon. Like, out of a select number of weapons, you can pick which one you want them to use. Okay. Can any of the NPCs wield any type of weapon? or? I don't think it's... Like, any, like, one of them... Or... One of them kind of, like, stuck to the range weapons. Okay. Like, the bow gun, the heavy bow gun, stuff like that. One of them was, like, the sword and shield, long sword, the great sword, stuff like that. Uh, speaking of, like, embassies and hub, like, new hub? Yeah, or, there's a new uh, hub. How, how is it? How, how it's are the very, sights and it's, sounds? It's, it's, so, Rise had a very, like, Japanese-inspired, like, hub area. This one is much more, like medieval kind of thing like castle and stuff like that you got palicos going around like a little train around your (laughs) it's got all that monster hunter charm you love so far um but yeah so far i haven't i'm on the last boss of this right now and it's pretty damn long so i think get some pretty good value for your buck uh i've been having a great time going through this to me i've enjoyed it more than the base game of rise which i did enjoy Mm -hmm. already and i think it's an easy recommend if you're a monster hunter fan no question the as far as you could tell, did they make any like significant revisions to, um, like gear progression? Because I mean, it's been so I mean, what it was in Rise and World. I mean, is it still like building upon like Rise, or did they add any new systems? So or? well, they added like a new rank, I believe, like so new rank, like yeah. a master rank kind of thing where you do like there's st- <laughs> there's so much I, still for me to do in this okay. game, so okay. so much. But there's a lot of different skills that. I felt like we're a little different than the base game where I'm like, I'm not, like, I don't know exactly what to pick all the time right now. Mm. I don't have all this figured out yet. Okay. Like, last time in the base game, I was, I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to stack affinity kind of thing like that. I'm going to yeah. stack that. But now all these newer monsters got kind of, like, unique effects. Like, one of them is, you know, when you get hit Damiani, like, the red meter comes up, and if you don't get hit for a while, it can slowly build back up. Yep. One of them is, like, if I hit this guy in their weak spot, that will fill up faster nice. or like give me extra okay. health, like a lifesteal almost kind of thing. So stuff like that. I still got a lot of stuff to figure out about this game right now, but I can't wait to play more. I'm loving these hunts right now. Nice. Now, yeah, and you just streamed this week too. I did, yeah. It was, it was a good time. <laughs> Bloodworth, this is a surprising game to me. I guess it's not so surprising, but it kind of feels out of nowhere, and I'm super curious <laughs> about your thoughts on this. You've been playing... F1 2022, is that what it is? Oh, that's the surprise to you. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I check in on F1 every once in a while. I did I, not, see, I did not know you were checking in. I know you're a racing mm-hmm. expert at Easy Allies, but I didn't know you were checking these games out on the side. Yeah, so back when Codemasters, I think, first got the license, basically, uh, I was really impressed with uh, seeing you know one of their first F1 games at E3 because the specifically like their weather system and stuff was mm-hmm. like really cool and just like the way that the rain affects look and feel and um, 
the fact that like you know you'll start a race and it won't be raining and then the ra- rain will come in and the grip will change and then like the drying line will come up after the rain is done and just like just mm-hmm. how well all that was handled so i you know and then i reviewed f1 for a couple of years codemasters brought me out uh one year i, w- I was brought out to uh for the debut of grid two and then i also visited the studio for f1 and then there's another year um I want to say it was like 2012, could mm-hmm. be, uh, when the Circuit of the Americas opened up in Austin, uh, and they brought uh, us out to that. So we were actually there at that inaugural oh. race. Whoa. Um, got to check out the pits and, and everything cool. there. Um, but anyways, and then, you know, through the process of like reviewing the games for a couple of years, then... I had gotten into like actually like following the sport mm-hmm. and uh, watching race weekends and stuff. And then over time, just as I got busier, you know, I, I you know, found less and less time to do that. Because like you watch a race and it'll be like three hours long, <laughs> yeah. you know, over the weekend. It's like, oh, I got time to keep up with every race. Yeah. My, my wife kept up with them longer than oh, I did. Cool. Um, but uh, so, yeah, so I've kind of been more out of it. But mm-hmm. like still like every couple of years I'll check in. I think Taking I did glances. like a check in video like for 2020 um i did a little impressions video but yeah i think the thing with me um that i like about the f1 series compared to like a lot of like your your forts or your gran turismo is like even though those things are really authentic Mm -hmm. they don't really replicate like what a real race is like in a like a lot of meaningful ways okay so like with F one, like you've got to deal with rules and penalties and equipment oh. failures and oh. just like equipment failure. Just things going throughout, you know, like mm-hmm. your career. And there is like kind of you know, you can set it up to be like as casual or advanced as you want. Mm-hmm. So you can set it up to where you go through the season uh and they uh you know, it's like every race is just like five laps, you know, and you just do your five lap race mm-hmm. and you move on. Or you know, you can do the full events and you have, you know, your practice sessions and your qualifying sessions and, you know, you know, full length races and stuff. And so where I'm at, where I tend to play is like a little bit in between. Mm-hmm. So like I do practice sessions and qualifying sessions, but then I do like the 25% of a full length race. Oh, okay, um, 25%. So which yeah, tends to be about 15 laps. It takes about half an hour to That's get through the race itself, the GP itself. Wow. But what that allows is it allows you to like really like feel more of like the tire strategy and pit stops and stuff like that that you don't really right. get. Yeah. If, you know, when you're just doing five laps. There's like yeah, five laps, it's like, true. okay, whatever, it's over. But when you're on those longer things, it's like then you have to worry about is like, okay, I've I've been like gunning it too much. We're starting to get low on fuel. Or, you know, the hmm. the tires, you know, you'll feel the, the change in grip in the tires for like from lap one to lap three to like lap wow. six, you know. That's um, pretty noticeable, the tire? Y- yeah, wow. yeah, absolutely. That's cool. Like you'll definitely notice like how, you know, yeah. tight you can take a turn okay. and all of that. Um, and then there's a lot of other things going on uh, with the career. Uh, one of the things with this, though, is this is the first one that I've played. I think last year was under EA as well. Uh, but this is the first one I played under EA mm-hmm. since they bought Codemasters. Oh, right. And <laughs> it's so funny to just, like, out the gate, just be hit with, like, all of this EA nonsense. Oh, no. <laughs> because it's like, okay, like, customize your driver and customize, you know, your 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 path. I don't know what it is. It's like, it's like a hangout space, I guess. 
But it's like you can change what? furniture and like rugs and walls, <laughs> and you can put like cars Player in different parts. Yeah, basically. Well, but well, I don't really know what the purpose of it say, is, except for maybe there? multiplayer. You can display the trophies that you get from the career That's in there. That's cool. But um, like, <laughs> can if let's say theoretically Damiani's playing, can Damiani <laughs> go to your house and just hang out in there? Um, I don't know about hang out. You might be able to see it. Okay. I'm not sure. Okay. But it's okay. it's it's. it's it's hilarious to me because there's just like on the front end, like when you're like like customizing your 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 driver, like you can like go through and like EA's got all these things. The the, the like the monetization currency is called pit points, mm-hmm. and so you can spend pit points on like Beats headphones and like Puma shoes and just all okay. these dumb things that just like okay, just pages and pages and pages of this nonsense. And then they also have a. A podium pass, which is kind of like battle pass or whatever, like the you know the hate, like of course, yes. And it's like, and I and I'm just like to the point where I'm just like skipping it every time between races because like I don't care. Oh, I don't care that I got a hat. I don't care that I got gloves. I don't care that I got a carpet from a garage. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh. So like, I remember in Forza Horizon when I played it briefly. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, you had your avatar and you're customizing. Is it kind of like that thing? Yeah, but it, yeah, it just. Again, it's just it feels like it's something that you only are ever going to see if like you're participating in multiplayer stuff because it's like you even you actually kind of have like a different character like when you're doing a career. Really? Like you have a different driver that you okay. set up. Okay. Um, or at least you know when you see them, they're always like wearing the team they're, colors yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So like all of your so other you stuff kind of like... doesn't. Maybe because I haven't gotten to any interviews yet. Because sometimes they'll have like these little press interview okay. cutscene things yeah, that you interact be... with. So maybe like my casual wear will show up. Yeah. Like, are you gonna be able to like wear a Dumbo hat or something? Like, in <laughs> not that I've seen. Not that I've seen. It's all been. There's, it's all been very serious. There's lots of EA merch. Oh, lots and get, lots of EA. Can we get Isaac's helmet or something? Maybe. Which I thought was funny is like all of these EA sports freaking hats and t-shirts and you don't have anything for Codemasters is like show some respect show some respect for Codemasters <laughs> damn dude um, and then uh, yeah this podium pass oh the other weird thing that they've added is uh, supercars Oh. And so, like, just your, like, normal sports cars outside of, like, an, an F1 car. And oh, F2 like a Ferrari car. or something? Yeah. And, oh, okay. and so that's the thing. It's, like, they're tied mostly to, you know, the the manufacturers that have teams in F1, right? So there's mm-hmm. some Ferraris. There's some Aston Martins. There's uh, McLaren. Um, some AMG. Uh, and... So there's kind of two different ways that supercars play into it. First is that that house thing mm-hmm. um, at the at the main menu, to oh, where can I customize this house? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, like the outside though. Can no, like, you just it's not even like a house. It's like I don't know how to. It's it's, it's a like room? a fancy version of a garage. Okay. There we go. Okay. Yeah. I was like, can I make a glass house essentially or something no. like that? You don't see like what the exterior looks like okay. at all. You just kind of like go through different rooms and like, oh, this room's got a coffee maker and this one's got a couch and you know whatever. Cool. Um, and then it's funny. It's like I'm putting the car in front of the coffee maker. Isn't that getting in the way? Anyways, yeah. but so there's only like eight or so of these supercars mm-hmm. uh, that you unlock, and then this like basically just as you play the game, you get like supercar tickets, mm-hmm. and then like you go to the main menu and redeem them, and then you put them in your house. Uh, uh, is there like a? But there's okay. also a thing. This is where actually the good side of the supercars is, and it's not amazing. But again, going back to the sense of you know, trying to replicate, like, what a race weekend is like mm-hmm. um, with the uh, 
like when you're at a real F1 race, which again, this is like where that was actually valuable for me to go to this thing and like see how it all actually plays out is, you know, yes, there is the main event, but then there's all these other kind of like preliminary things and like they'll just have like a bunch of Ferrari mm-hmm. dealers like drive their Ferraris around the track and, mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. Or they'll have like like classic cars going around. And so with these supercar events, they're just like really quick like hot lap things to just sort of change it up. Okay. So like you know, you, before you actually get into your main race weekend and all your strategy stuff, it's like okay, there's some hot lap, you know, things available and you can go out there and you can like do a checkpoint race or you can like mm-hmm. kind of swerve between the cones or you know, you try to uh, you know, some of them are like average speed. So it's like you try to get from one point on the track to another point on the track okay. and maintain a like a high level of speed throughout it. Are these because when I played GT7, mm-hmm. I was like, man, I love these license tests. Are these kind of like the version of that or is it the closest thing to it? They're sort of like that. They're just not as satisfying. Okay. Like, I'd, like they're like really only that. To me, like, they really just feel like like a little bit of a change up just to like break up sure. the pace a little bit. But yeah. they're not that interesting to me. Mm-hmm. And, the, like, and it's funny because like with the F1 cars, and it may just be a point of comparison, but I don't – I just – like I don't feel like they're they nail the the feel of these cars as well as they nail the feel of the F one cars. You know, like oh, they just sure. feel more you know floaty and slidey. And like I understand that there's a degree of that. It's like mm-hmm. okay, like yeah, like a supercar is going to be able to drift, and an F one car can't. But it just it do, they don't feel as good to drive. And then just the comparison is like, you know, even even like a like a, a road model Ferrari. Mm-hmm. Feel slow as heck. Sure, compared, compared to, to that. one car. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> um, so this is a racing game in 2022 blood. So mm-hmm. I have to ask: Are there microtransactions? Well, there are for the the pit point stuff that the I was talking point. about. Yeah, yeah. So and, there, and the podium pass. So, there, but yeah, I also was like, you know, the the they gave us a champion edition. Yes, which I think comes with like eighteen thousand or whatever. But yeah, so like you can get like uh, actually, I think I wrote down how much. It costs for yeah, uh, fifty thousand pit points for thirty five dollars, uh, and two dollars for like two thousand. How much is the pass? Do you know the battle pass thing or whatever it's called? Uh, I don't remember off the top of my head. Okay, but like I said, like I didn't want any of that stuff. Right. So it just sort of like once I like get my career going, like all of that stuff just went right so out of my head. They didn't have any cars tied to that or anything, right? No. Okay, so okay. it's just like purely cosmetic for now. Yeah. Interesting. But but yeah, so then the way. Yeah, the way the career works um, is, you know, you can you can go with either like a like a driver career or like a manager career. So it's like you're both like managing the team. So you're like managing both drivers mm. in addition to driving yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I suck with the driver career. It's a little bit more simple. But even with the driver career, there's a lot of like things to do mm-hmm. in between races. And so like one of the biggest things is that. Um, you have research and development because that's part of F1. It's right. like yeah. through the season, they're continually engineering. They're continually improving the cars. Um, and so you go to the, the R&D screen and you can see like uh, – and you have your different departments. So like you have your engineering department. You have your chassis department. You have your aerodynamics department. And you go through and you can see like basically different parts to invest in. Mm-hmm. And you have like a certain number of like research points that you get throughout the, the weekends – to, to spend on uh, these things. And then 
there's a certain amount of days that it'll take for them to okay. complete. And even when you do one of these, you initiate one of these, it can also have a chance of failure. They're like, oh. they, they get the part finished and they put it on. It's like, yeah, this is Oh, this is no, crap. dude. <laughs> and then, you, like, basically, if you still want that part, you can kick it back in. Yeah. And it'll be guaranteed when you get it back the second time. You know, mm-hmm. they'll fix out okay. whatever the problem is. But it's just going to take longer for you to get it, equip it on your car, essentially. Oh, I'd be so mad, Blood, I think, if I was trying to get the car. And they're just like, <laughs> yeah. oh, it broke. I'm like, what? Yeah. And then there are other, like, morale things tied to your engineering departments, which is interesting. Whoa. So that, like, the one thing I had is, like, I could either go to this charity thing to, like, improve my driver's reputation. Yeah. Or I could, you know. But it would mean I'd skip out on this party we were having. Drink with the boys? With yeah. The, with the Arrow team. It's like, oh, I think I'm going to stick with my engineering team for right now. <laughs> but, then there came, yeah. but then they came back and was like, well, that other new driver went and did this. So, you know, oh, he got all the, you know, yeah. he got all the press from that. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, I haven't gotten to a rivalry yet, but that's yeah. another thing that you can have, pick a rival later. Well, that's cool. It's like Pokemon. Have you played online yet? I haven't played online. Okay. No. I don't really get into doing online on F1. Yeah. Uh, but then, so yeah, so then you do, so you have kind of like this, like basically have a calendar. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the calendar for the season is the same as the real world season. They even have a thing cool. in here that I, I didn't mess with, uh, but there's an option that you can have to basically, it'll update. You can play where it's updating from real season stats. So they'll change the standings based on how the drivers did in the real races oh. in the season right now. Wow, that's kind of cool. Because uh, right now I want to say that like we're, I want to say like week 10 or something. Mm. I, I might, I'm totally off. I don't know how far we are into it. But uh, but anyway, so then you do practice and qualifying in, the, in your main race. And so the practice... You basically have, I wouldn't call them mini games, but you have like objectives that you can choose between. So when you do a practice session, you can choose between like, uh, here's a program that will like for you to follow this line and like set a qualifying pace. Or here's Mm -hmm. a program that will like kind of teach you how to conserve fuel better or conserve your tires better. Or like this one is just like get used to the track and like you want to hit all of these checkpoints. Mm You know, and they'll be like around every corner, like hit this, 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 this in a row. But you also need to be fast enough, and so like it really does a good job of like treat, like not just going out there and doing whatever, but like really training you to like okay. learn that, that track nice. and learn how to handle your car better. Yeah, that sounds cool. Yeah, yeah. And then what's cool too is that, um, like once you've done a couple of laps or you repeat a program on that same track, sometimes you'll even get like like a little uh, like a heat meter kind of thing. Like you'll see the path that you did before on the track and you'll see like whether it's green or red or purple based on how you did the last time you did around. Interesting. So it really helps you to hone in and like figure out like, okay, where am I weak on this track? What do I need to like improve? Well, let's say like for me, Mm -hmm. very casual in the racing, the racing sim genre, you know, I've I've just kind of delved into the GT7. Is there enough there for someone like me to maybe hop in and have a good time? Or is it? Do you think it's strictly mostly for fans of F one? I mean, I wasn't a fan of F one okay. before these games, so I think but that there there are. is, you know, yeah. yeah okay. So uh, I'd say the one thing, you know, to keep in mind is just like it's fast and like super precise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, and so you know, and and so like don't I, like it's a game where I say like if you're starting out in particular, like. Don't be afraid of having the driving line on. Don't be afraid of, like, using the rewind because, mm-hmm. you know, especially, like, if you're like me and you're doing, like, 12 laps and you've spent 20 minutes, you know, and then you just, like, 
lose up. your grip around yeah. a corner. It's like, yeah, rewind. Yeah, <laughs> just rewind. Just, just once in a while, rewind, you know, mm-hmm. when it, you know, makes sense. Um, but it's, you know, it can be, it can be terrifying to try to pass another car in this game. <laughs> and, you know, that's the, that's the biggest yeah. difference to me with Gran Turismo. Like, Gran Turismo, the, the cars are almost just sort of like, they're just sort of like markers for like how well you're doing. They, mm. they almost don't matter. It's like, okay, if I'm driving really well, I'm going to pass everybody. You know, uh, whereas in this, it's like you really feel like you're competing and you're getting up and you're having a neck right, just slip right Ooh. past that guy. Uh, and cool. he might slip right past you on the next turn if you're mm-hmm. not careful. Uh, there are some other strategies uh, that are kind of unique to the sport. Um, there's, um, there's like this... Uh, energy recovery system that's like a battery boost and so like as you go in as you break it like charges the battery and so then you can hit this like uh overtake button mm. and so that will make your car go faster but like it goes down pretty quickly so that can help you catch up a little bit and then there's also another thing uh the drag reduction system which is drs and so there's specific zones on the track where that's allowed and it basically it opens up uh, your rear wing. So again, it like it gives you more speed, but then you lose grip. Yeah. So it's really only uh, allowed on straightaways, and even like as soon as you hit the brake, it like it automatically shuts, mm, okay. so that you don't spin out as easily. <laughs> um, but you have specific like circumstances where you can use it. So it's like there's like a detection zone, and then there's an activation zone. And so in order to use it, because uh, it's made for passing, mm-hmm. so in order to use it, you have to be within one second of the car that's in front of you when you go through the detection zone. And then when you get to the activation zone, then you can open it up and try to make your pass. I am. The other thing that's kind of new that, uh, to me, and this is one of the funny things, like as soon as I started and I was like reading through the, the, uh, the review guide, Mm -hmm. they were talking about sprints. And I'm like, I got on Twitter right away. Like what a crap are sprints? This is new, but it's like something that's changed in F1. And there's like a lot of things like engineering and the physics and stuff that had to change this year too. Right. Um, but sprints, they're only on like three of the races in the season. And the season is like 22 races. Mm-hmm. And so there's, so like I said, there's practice and there's qualifying and then there's race. But these events that have sprints, uh, the first one is like race number four. Uh, you, they kind of like, they go in between the race and the qualifying. So it's weird. So it's like you do practice and then you do qualifying. And usually the qualifying is what sets the grid order for the race. But when there's a sprint, the qualifying sets the grid order for the sprint. <laughs> and then the sprint is like a shorter race. It's like yeah. a five-lap race. I think it's 1,000 kilometers in the in, uh, the real uh, the real races. Yeah. Um, and then the order that people complete the sprint that determines the main race. Interesting. It's just it's weird. It feels kind of useless, but I don't know. It's, Maybe it's, yeah. It's interesting. I think there's like some controversy around it, like just oh. it, uh, within the F1 community oh, as okay. well. Okay. It's like, why are we doing this? Because it's like drivers don't want to go all out and then like yeah. damage their car. Yeah. Uh, oh, and then like I was saying, damage is another thing. Like on that last race that I did. Uh, my gearbox started screwing up. Oh, and and it's like, and that can be uh, again is like things that are terrifying. Is like having your engineer come in is like, yeah, I'm having problems with the gearbox. Try to take it easy and like don't shift as much. And like I, I don't know how to shift less. 
there's a lot of things I can manage, but I don't know how you want me to shift less. Right. That's some hardcore stuff. <laughs> and, and, and then I was getting like around and like, and yeah, yeah, we just hear it slipping. It was like, you go around, it's like, and I'm like, oh, okay, catch, catch. Okay, here we go. <laughs> but even then, it's like, okay, I made it through this race. But you only have a certain number of gearboxes that you can use through the whole season. Right. And so then I'm looking at the durability between races and I'm like, okay, I'm a little early to switch out. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to increase my durability with my R&D department over time. And it's like, do I want to risk, like, hanging on to this gear? Because it should have enough for me to get through another race or two. But do I want to switch it now because it's screwing on me? So mm-hmm. just, like, a lot of these extra little decisions and stuff to make. Yeah. It sounds dense. Yes, and complicated. It, if if you there's, want it to be. I mean, that's one of the reasons that like I don't just review them every year because it's like it is it's process. It's once a you one. once you like once I get through like one race weekend, it's probably been like two and a half, three hours. You yeah. Know? But by the time I've done the practice and the qualifying yeah, and the full like, race, it's your whole weekend dedicated to that whole thing. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> that's really cool if you're super into that. I love that. But like, I don't yeah. know if I would do that. <laughs> that's super sick if you're into it. Cool. Sounds uh, pretty rad, blood. Um, so I have a question for you two. We are still kind of working out segments, I guess, what mm-hmm. we want to replace. We're just kind of, we're going to see how things go. But if you have suggestions, you could let us know in the comments below. We will pay attention to those and see what you think. But I just kind of, I got some emails from two people. And it just kind of made me think about some a question for both of you. Uh, this comes in from James. Where do you see the future of game development going in regards to dev time? Next-gen games are taking longer and longer than highly anticipated said. What is Kraken Allies? Is it just me or is why is Kojima-san announcing a no title, just an idea game? <laughs> better than a CG trailer or even just a logo? It's like if Miyamoto or whoever said he's working on a game. It's just like, okay, duh, man. And he said, shout out to all the hardworking indie But if developers. Miyamoto said he was working on a game for the PC. That would be something. Yeah. I think that would be an announcement. <laughs> that would be an announcement. <laughs> hey, uh, Blood, do you see the leak? Mario Kart's coming to PC. Is, is there a leak? Or? Mario Kart's coming to PC. That's hilarious. Mario Kart Tour. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the one game finally <laughs> been dreaming about this and it's the most everybody. But yeah, you're right. It's like there has to be like some kind of like qualifying thing behind an announcement to like make it a big deal. Otherwise it's like yes. a no-brainer like yes, you would assume someone who's still actively working at a company is developing something even if it might not see the light of day. It's yeah. like sure. My I guess my question for both of you kind of is yeah. Are games getting announced too soon or too quickly, do you think? Like, we get a kind of a, a wide range, I guess, especially yeah. from Capcom. I feel like we're getting a lot more, or in some cases, you know, here's this game finally revealed. Here's the date for it, actually. But then you get things like Dragon's Dogma 2 where they're like, here's a t shirt <laughs> revealing okay. the game. Well, yeah, something like that, it feels like maybe that's a little too early. I, I But I get the reason why. I do feel like those types of announcements are fewer and far between. I think most studios now have a better handle and understanding mm-hmm. of like HD development now that they That's understand. That's something we t- heard a lot about in the PS3. Yeah, but I think they know. Theory. I think they know it now a little bit better, where they know their timetables. I think more often than not, when something is not that 
two years or less, like from announcement to release, that we kind of expect or even shorter than that. Mm-hmm. I think something just goes wrong in development that was unintu- that was unexpected. Yes. They didn't anticipate that, and it's like crud. We're gonna need another year, another two. So it becomes a two year cycle, it becomes like a four, three, four year cycle. And fans are like, why do you announce that so soon? It's like internally they're probably like because we don't get to see behind that veil mm-hmm. as often. It's just like no, we were planning internally to have this out in two years, but yikes, I we just... ran into this issue, and now whoops. I, yeah, like obviously. Um... COVID has been like a huge that issue too? in the game yeah. industry and, and everything. But I think about games like like Bayonetta 3. Oh, yeah. I think of things oh, like yeah. Elder Scrolls 6. No, yeah, and, and I think I think Elder Scrolls Six is a good example of like what I was thinking is a problem because it's he, like he said they're doing Fallout Five after Elder Scrolls, right? But that's, <laughs> that's what I'm saying is like away. that's why that trailer was so useless is because it's like yeah, of course you're gonna make that game, yeah. You know, whereas like Dragon's Dogma Two and Resident Evil Two Remake, like these are these are moments for them to you know like they mm-hmm. they confirmed Resident Evil Two to Remake. It felt like a second they came out of that boardroom meeting. Yes, you know, it's yeah, like, they're like we do it right now. Yeah, you know, and and it's like that's the excitement is that like yeah this this thing that may have been more of a long shot, we're actually yes mm-hmm. we're, we're in we're focused we're gonna do it. Whereas with like Elder Scrolls Six, it's like. Yeah, it's gonna happen. I don't. I don't need to see Here's anything teaser. about it until you actually have yeah. something that's ready to show. Yeah. When did they show that? Like twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen, something like that. Right. It's just like, they're like, "Here's the landscape kind of thing." Logo. Boom. Uh, the skate thing is super interesting. The skate thing, I is interesting, blood, because I feel like pe- <laughs> I wonder if they were just like, "Hey, we're making it. Stop asking us about it," kind of thing. Because everyone's like, "We're skating." Right. Three, I think Dead Space four. was sort of in that same space. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I think there's a whole multitude of reasons. These are obviously good ones for why developers like will say something mm-hmm. probably in advance of when they wanted to. Another one, like I think something like even like Elder Scrolls Six, like it seems obvious that was going to happen. It's just like. Companies need to get people excited for the future of their, right. their, 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 their lineup, especially when they're now partnered with certain like console manufacturers and have obligations. I think it's just, again, it's back to the, the marketing cycle. They're like, hey, who are our partners? Do you have, like, Elder Scrolls 6 is in development, but it's, like, years out. Like, mm-hmm. we, like we wouldn't announce it on our own right now. But, like, now we need to get people excited about, like, Xbox and Game Pass and stuff. And, like, yeah. Yeah. we need it on board. Like, like, it has name and brand recognition on there. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I mean, I think one of the most powerful ones they could do is, like, you can announce, like, five years in advance, Grand Theft Auto 6 is coming exclusively to some platform. <laughs> that, that that platform will be, like, probably the best-selling platform yeah. in those five years because people are waiting for that game to come out on it. So, I mean, partially it's due to that. And then even internally beyond just, like, obligations to other partners, probably from their own metrics, like, they're, they're mm. holding to shareholders, some of these companies. They got to announce stuff publicly so that their shareholders say, oh, we are working on stuff. Here you go. It's in the works. This is what you've been asking for. This is what you're expecting. Keeps them happy. Keeps them in line. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, gets them off their back for a little I while. I do think some early announcements can sell hardware. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I remember hearing people who are like, oh, I bought a, a PS3 to play Final Fantasy 13 Versus, and it's like, ouch. Yep. <laughs> yep. Sorry about that. Or that, The Last Guardian. Oh, sorry yeah, about Mel, that. Mel, yeah, like Metal Gear Solid 4. Like, so people bought like PS3 yeah, for like, Michael Huber bought that. Heck yeah. Blood, I, I know you brought this up at a time, and you're, you're like, it seems like a lot of those announcements are also recruiting. Yeah. Like, they're like, hey, we're recruiting kind of thing now. It's like... Yeah, Dead Space, I think, is one of yeah. those for sure. Um, and then... Yeah, and so that can have an interesting effect, too, because, um, you know, one of the things this weekend, and um, we learned that uh, 
Mary from uh, the Deus Ex and Guardians of the Galaxy team. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a writer? Yeah, writer on she's the yeah. lead narrative director. Um, she got picked up by Bioware to do Mass Effect. That's and it's a like, great pickup, I think. Like, you look at Deus Ex and Guardians of the Galaxy and Mass Effect, and it's just like... Makes sense. It's a perfect, yeah, perfect fit. And, like, there's nothing that makes me more excited about that game than to know that she's going to be... Yeah, working that, on that story and leading that charge. Yeah, you're right, Bloodworth. That you is, know, uh, now EA could still screw up true, all of her work, true, like true, true. you know they've done with so many other people. Uh, it didn't work out so well for Amy Hennig. Um, <laughs> Poor Amy. <but laughs> Poor Amy. You know, uh, it's a positive sign. Yeah. Um, I want to know, like, what do you both prefer? Do you prefer a developer to hold their cards close to their chest? Even if you're like, we don't know what the hell they're doing. Are you cool with waiting years without hearing anything, or do you want to know what's coming? I would like to hear stuff when they have a plan behind it, even if it's like not like. Well, like think of Metroid Prime Four. So Metroid Prime Four, like they're probably okay. There probably was a plan for that. Yes, like, like all the Final rumors Fantasy, that it was right. being Seven. built, that Bandai Namco had studios working on it, and it was like just became too troublesome, and mm-hmm. so they handed it off to Retro. So I mean that that's a different situation, but I feel like it needs to be like more than like a. I mean. It's different than movies. Like when we see like it Marvel is. announce their yeah. phases and they it's give different. logos, you just see logos. Mm-hmm. I think the expectation is like movies are take don't take as long to make as they a sure game don't. sometimes. A lot of times. I mean they can, but like uh, uh, when it's a well-oiled machine, you're like seeing a sequel like every two years. Yeah. Right. And multiple well, yeah, when they do those year. things, they like put years on yeah. every movie. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's like a very concrete schedule. I don't think that's as doable though in in, in game development, not, unfortunately. Right. So while that would be my ideal situation, is that like, hey, we get like a maybe E3 every two, three years from like a Nintendo like presentation, like here's our next two years, or Sony that here's our next two years of Sony, or like the first First half of like the PlayStation 5's life cycle. Mm-hmm. Here are the projects we are working on. They can't do that reasonably. I think it would be right. like this uh, uh, outlandish. So I'd rather them when they have something more tangible to show, like the game. We have like the core concept. We can show you off something that's running and working that illustrates the concept we're really hammering home at here. And it's probably within two years of release. That's probably the best time to do it. Sure. Honestly, mm-hmm. like, I, I think more companies are getting into that. Like maybe. 12 to 18 month cycle which is kind of like nice like here's announcement it's coming out with like less than two years like even Rebirth now it's now and it's like winter like the beginning of 2024 so like we're summer 2022 it's like that's 18 months away like Mm -hmm. that's pretty good I like that I would not I would say obviously knew that (laughs) they were four might be a different story (laughs) we obviously knew that they were working on that as well so I think there's a difference with that too Um, but yeah it's funny how Nintendo like hits both both of those extremes, mm-hmm. right? Like Breath of the Wild, like they have been talking about forever. Yeah, you know, and and to be fair, they like they do try to hold off. Like they're they're not they're not going out there and talking about it all the time, but because they've shown it, then people just yeah. Well, they're when are, they're, when are, they're are we coming see more? on, on yeah. stage and be like, we don't have anything to show you this time. Sorry, right. Right, but okay. but then on the other side of it, you have like. Mario Odyssey and Kirby and the Forgotten Boom. Land. It's Here like, it is. It's done, yeah. pretty much. We're testing out, you know, to make sure we don't have any bugs, and yeah. then here's the game. Then you got weird cases like Pikmin. Yeah. Whereas, I mean, they, what, they've confirmed, confirmed it in interviews, but they've never announced That's, Pikmin, right? Yeah, so, the Emoto thing. Yeah. yeah. Just like kind of offhand comments, that, yeah. That, that people take that as the, like, the official announcement. Yeah. When, 
you know, someone just saying something in an interview sometimes, like even saying, oh, oh we, we got Fallout 5 coming after. It's like, it wouldn't be surprised to like two weeks later, like, eh, you, of course, like, obviously we're thinking about Fallout 5, but like, that's not an official announcement of Fallout 5. Like, they could probably be like, nah, that wasn't, we weren't really announcing it. Well, like, yeah, they're like, not like, here's yeah. the logo of the game kind of thing like that. It's happening. Yeah, I think this, unfortunately, it would be nice just once to have the, like, one of the mainline Zeldas be like announced and come out within a short time. Like, that would be like a, a ma- like a uh, massive achievement. Uh, uh, just as not happen like I think this time the like probably a lot Wind of Waker wasn't too bad. Yeah, Wind Waker is probably one of the Majora's Mask was Wind Waker had a weird fault, cycle. But, like, it Wind wasn't Waker was fault. right away, but yeah, but yeah, I think the the whole space world thing of the you know the more realistic clip yeah. right. got people excited oh, yeah, for yeah. that kind of thing of Zelda, even though there wasn't it was just a tech demo which they've done later on. With which is funny movies. because if you go back and look at it, it's like yeah, that's kind of ugly. Yeah. <laughs> sure, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, more modern times, it seems like it, it's like this longer time between the the console entries, the new console entries. So yeah, that hopefully whatever after like after Breath of the Wild, they like go away for a few years and like now it's like here's the new Zelda, and a year later it comes out, we'll be wow, that would mm-hmm. be fantastic. Like you're saying, these other extremes, like I feel like virtually every other game they have done. In the last two years, has been announced. Has been out within six months of its announcement. Yeah. In the worst case, like yeah, yeah. You know, like Paper Mario: The Origami King was like just announced and just like came out. Mario Strikers, yeah, same it's so thing. So weird. Uh, even uh, Xenoblade Chronicles Three. I mean, no, oh, it'd been rumored forever. Right. But then, like yeah. when they finally showed it off, it's like it's coming, coming out in September. And like, oh, by the way, it's coming out July. It's like <laughs> yeah. it actually bumped it up. They're like that's how, <laughs> that was feel yeah, good. Like, that, not, now you know, like that's, some, that's now how you know for, you know for a fact they're sitting on games sometimes. They it confirms they have games done. They are sitting. Not yet. Like they're on advanced wars obviously for a different reason but like yeah they're you know you want tangible evidence but yeah like more more developers sit on games please yeah don't the, need gigantic day one patches the mm-hmm. reverse pitfall i think though is like announcing something too soon is like when it doesn't come to like it canceled doesn't come to be because i think there is a point where you might be excited about a project but like you should definitely wait even if it's like a dream project imagine if five Seven remake was well, announced too freaking soon perfect dark man what's happen. going on like imagine remember the tech demo thing everyone took his confirmation the ps3 what, one what yeah what if they actually said like they kept denying that it had anything to do with a real game. But unless they said yes back then, we waited all those years. How much different that would have been? Like, no, we got confirmation it was happening back in like 2005. Now it's like 2020. We said 15 years <sighs> later. Like, yeah, there's definitely pitfalls to yeah. that. So definitely wait. And I know you want to get people like excited, whether all these reasons, even just like to raise morale. Like maybe you had a bad few years and like internally, like, dude, what if we bring this back? And everyone gets really excited. Oh, I can't wait to share this with everyone. Like our fans are gonna be so happy we're working on this. Like a I mean, like a Shenmue 3 or something. It comes out of nowhere. It's like, man, Shenmue fans have just had nothing forever. No <laughs> it's like, Here's Shenmue 3. It's like, yeah. sometimes it's just done to like, dude, fans and people want this. Let's let them know as soon as possible, even though we haven't even started making the game. Yeah. Uh, I guess just one last question I got for both of you is when I thought of like Microsoft's recent uh, Summer Game Fest conference, they're like, yo, we're focusing on the next year of Xbox or whatever. There's all these games we got mm-hmm. announced still, like Fable and all that kind of stuff. We're not going to show any of that. Do you like that approach or you're like, well, I wish you would still show me something that's further away? I mean, it's funny because they said that, but Silksong didn't have a date. It sure didn't, blood. And that Kojima game ain't coming out in 12 months. <laughs> but, <laughs> but Phil Spencer did say Silksong would be out before that deadline, though. Yeah, well, I don't believe him. Yeah, I don't believe him either. 
I mean, it could be, but I don't believe Phil Spencer for a second. No, no, no way. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's just part of like the the marketing. Just hype marketing. Cycle. I think, you, you, yeah. have, you have a handful of outliers every time. No matter what you say, it's like sure. Like here's one thing that goes beyond that. Yeah. Just like literally in the the most recent partner showcase of Nintendo, saying focusing on game third party games kind of the rest of the year. Like first five announcements, like two of them, like 2023. It's like all right. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, this, gotcha. is, this is how it goes. Yeah, it's just how it goes, I, mean, I guess. Yeah. It's yeah, it's, it's a. a a fascinating thing. Yeah, sometimes it's hard to put one box around everything and yeah, like it, it fits is. correctly. Yeah, it's a lot of nuance going on with game releases, I guess. Um, we got a bunch of shoutouts that we do on our podcast right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to support us, you can go to Patreon.com/slash/EasyAllies and support us there. We'd greatly appreciate it. But for our shoutouts, we got Jabba Wobs, L. Thanis, Greg, the Dark Knight Kettering, Caleb, Togi Crawford, Nick. And Anacroth, uh, Damiani, why don't you give me a shout out? The Damiani special. Damiani special. The Damiani special. Um, hmm. Think hard. Okay. Uh, we'll do it for in, in celebration of Fire Emblem. Oh! Shout out! There you go. Very good. There you go. Blowworth, you want to you want to add a little to that? Very good. <laughs> Shout! That was very good. Uh, That's very good play. I was expecting like an engine revving shout out from Bloodlay. I'm very pleased, Bloodlay. Thank you. Alrighty. Uh, The next game we're going to talk about is a game. It's a smaller. It's a another DLC. I'm bringing two DLCs to this, but I reviewed this also. And that is Cuphead: The Delicious Last Course. Now this is this DLC has been a long time coming. Oh yeah. I think the first game came out 2017, so it's been like five years essentially. Mm. I I reviewed that game also, and it's like I can understand why this game would take a long time to come out because it's all this hand drawn animation. It's very meticulous work. I feel like, but I feel like it has been a very long wait. I don't know if they were involved in the Netflix cartoon at all. I'm not sure. I'm sure they oversaw it, kind of. Yeah, sure. I mean, they did put out a statement saying, like, listen, like, we don't care about, like, delay. <laughs> yeah, like, I think that's uh, sick. I yeah. love that. Yeah. yeah. It's like, no, that. we're taking our time yeah, yeah. and we're paying our people. It's and, like, like, yeah, like, yeah, take, it's we like, don't want burnout. We don't want crunch. Well, yeah, well, like, and they said takes... specifically, it's like, hey, there's very few people uh, available that can do this kind exactly. of work. Exactly. So we're going to take care of them. Yeah. Absolutely good answer for that. Yeah. And I think uh, they made the right move because I think this DLC is very good. Very good. Nice. So if you played Cuphead, and if you haven't, the game is divided up into like areas, locations, essentially. You know, you got, they're called aisles. So you got aisle one, aisle two, aisle three. This is aisle four now. And this aisle is, I think, probably the biggest aisle. Oh, okay, maybe cool. just a little bit, or maybe just like a boss or two over. But this DLC. Super easy to get to. You can get to this deal. So, like, if you so, I reviewed this on PC and I didn't have a save, and it took like five minutes, ten minutes to get to this DLC. So, if you're okay. a brand new player, you can hop right into there if you want to. Might not recommend it because it's a little harder, I would say. But man, or it could be because it's been so long. Like, you just have the game on a different system, like you did. You yeah, know? exactly. Yeah. yeah, where it's just like, but man, <laughs> these Cuphead. Obviously, no for its bosses. These bosses are excellent. I think they're probably the, probably the best in the game that I could recall. And I nice. I really love Cuphead. I really love this game. And some of these bosses are really sick. Now it sticks to the tried and true formula pretty much the whole time. Of here's this island. It's not much you can really do on it. You can find like a, a hidden path. That's about it. it, it exploration doesn't really matter that much. But 
the bulk of it is just the classic boss fights. There is no more running gun stages, which I kind of like. They weren't as mm. good as the boss fights from the base game, but I think they added some nice variety. So I'm kind of sad yeah. they're gone. But there's and there's also one plane level, which I'm also not a biggest fan of compared okay. to the other ones. They're okay, but they're super creative. Uh, I don't. I'll just say one of the first bosses is kind of like you're in this this like bug city underneath. <laughs> you got this this like tarantula or spider walk around at the beginning, and he like shouts on like on a phone. He calls up his like mafia buddy. He's like blah, 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 blah. like all these monsters, these other bugs come in. Then you got some lady singing and dancing. All these crazy beams are shooting everywhere. It's it's bullet hell madness that you'd expect from Cuphead. But one new thing to this DLC is there is a new thing called the King's Leap. So yeah, and I saw like the the shot in the review. It looks mm-hmm. like there's like a like a claymation castle. Yeah, or something it looks like very that. cool. Oh, it's really yeah, sick. Thing. Oh yeah, I nice. can't wait for you guys. To see this. <laughs> I cannot wait to watch you guys play this game. Anyways, they this thing is like a gauntlet almost. So in Cuphead, the original game, and most of the game, you are just shooting these bosses with like whatever power ups you got available. You're shooting them, all that kind of stuff. Not on these guys. Uh uh-uh. uh. These guys are all themed after chess pieces, and you have to defeat them all by pairing certain things. Mm. So the first one is there's a bunch of pawns kind of up above you, and they have all pink heads. So and if you've played Cuphead before, you'll know that anything pink you could parry, essentially. All these guys got pink heads. You can't shoot, so they all jump down at different times. you got to parry off all of them every time like that. Then the next one is like a, a knight piece. He's, he's essentially a horse with like a set of armor on. He's got a few moves. I'm really curious to see Damiani do this one. <laughs> I can feel the fury already. But you got to like parry him. It's just a cool different way to approach boss fights that wasn't in the base game. And But what's really cool is once you finish all these things, you could do a gauntlet, which is all of them in a row. Mm. Which is really fun. Really cool challenge, you know. And I think these are a pretty good length. The boss fights are like a minute minute and a half maybe for the longer ones so if you die it's not that huge big of a deal but the king's leap one specifically right yes okay so it's not that it's not like a huge deal if you die you're like whatever i just do it again okay. but it still gives you like that nice cuphead rush that you want uh, do they do they unlock like as you defeat the yes. other bosses so is you that... go no you can go to the king's leap anytime okay, okay. it's so you like can do the whole thing the all map, at once the fourth map area there's like spots where a ladder will come down from the sky. You climb up the ladder, and that's the King's Leap. And it's like, here, you want to take these challenges on? First, you got to do this one, then this one, and this. You unlock, unlock them in order. Okay. Then you could do them all in a row, kind of thing like that. Are there, besides that, the, I'm trying to remember, like the the shop, the pig dude. Yeah. Are there are new things from oh, like that. Yeah. Oh, there's okay, some new, okay, there's okay. some new weapons. Like one of them's really, really good. Things. One of them's really good. It like shoots out a, uh, like a red beam. That you could just shoot straight and do some damage, but it can it'll splinter off and auto target any enemy around you. Ooh. So, like, let's say you're fighting a really hectic boss, you're like, man, I can't really aim because one of my favorite weapons in the base game is the charge shot. You know, you got to charge it up and you, you unleash oh, yeah. it, but like, you got to aim kind of thing like this. But this, not, you won't do as much damage, but you can get consistent damage in. That's mm. good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and there's a charm that you can like first pair, you get an extra health. Third pair, you get another health. Sixth pair, you get another health. Kind of thing like that. So rewarding you. But also along with the new bosses and the Kingsley, the other biggest addition is Miss Chalice, a new playable character. So she was in the base game. If you've played it, she was the kind of ghost in each of the mausoleums. And she would give you new supers. But the whole story revolves around kind of bringing her back to life kind of thing. Don't need to get into it, but that's the whole premise of the new DLC. She... 
can she has a few new abilities this time around. I would say she's not she's not easy mode necessarily, but she can kind of maybe give you a few a few extra abilities, I guess, to help you yeah, out, kind of thing like perks. that. I mean, yeah, the the cookie that's in the story. Yes, yeah, so it you have goes charms. in the charm slot. Yes, yeah, so you cannot equip a normal yeah. charm. So it's basically like a souped up charm. To yes, play it her. is a souped up charm, and she has an extra health right off the bat. She has a one a very powerful roll she can do that gives you iframes. Okay. So like let's say you're struggling against a boss that like goes across the floor really quick or something like that with the other cut boys and you're like, man, I just need a little help. You can use her to kind of roll under that. Stuff like that. She also has in the plane level, she has like a triple shot okay. spread gun almost like super C instead of a um a straight line. But she just has like a few different little tweaks here and there to help you get through it. She's not, she is, I think, a little better than the Cup Brothers, but she's not so much better where I feel like they're useless almost. The big thing I'll say why I would choose between the other characters is her parry is different. So everyone has a dash forward with like triangle or whatever, you know, everyone has a dash. But her parry is tied to that dash, unlike Mugman and Cuphead. They have the double. They have like a, you jump and you push X again, that's their parry. This, you could just kind of dash into it. So it can be useful to hit some things easier, but sometimes it's easier if they're like right below you to right. be the yeah. cuphead among man. It's like a little easier to hit. Than overshooting. Oh yeah. yeah, she also has a double jump, which can totally help you a lot. Okay. But she's a lot of fun. I've enjoyed playing as her. I think she's a really nice addition to the cuphead family, I guess. She seems permanent from now on, and I'm totally cool with that. But yeah, it's like, this game, I I would say, lengthwise, it's always hard for me to kind of gauge how this will be for. It's so different for different players. Like, yeah. to get through the main story, for mo- for like me, it was like an hour and a half, maybe or two hours, maybe. But if you're kind of newer to Cuphead, uh, yeah, used to it, it, it could take a while. To get the, yeah, the yeah, patterns, you yeah. gotta learn. Like these bosses can be tough, you know, especially because there's once you beat it, you can, there's expert modes for all these guys if you really want to. Put your skills to the test. But yeah, I think it's a good length. There's also a secret side quest. I don't really want to ruin what it's tied to. There's some. Mm. It's worth doing, though, I would say. But, dude, this this DLC is also seven bucks. Yeah. It's such an easy <laughs> recommend. I'm like, well, it's like, if you're just going to go through the story, you know, you could at least have a few hours going through, but it's like seven bucks, man. It's like, I, was, I read that and I was like, is this, a, is this an error almost at first when I saw that? Like, this seems a little cheap, but like, hell yeah, I think this is great. It's, took a long time but it's like man i think it was worth the wait i i don't know what they're gonna do next i mean if they do more cuphead hell yeah i'm into it but i felt good yeah i am curious what their next yeah. next step will be uh, yeah i wonder if it'll be like the same vein of like they're super no- well known for this animation style now if they'll stick to it or be like let's try something different but yeah i'm really excited to see both of you play this game tonight a dark gritty western battle royale <laughs> yes <laughs> a western yeah <laughs> yeah I got, yeah, I forgot that Miss Chalice was the ghost in the mausoleum yeah. things the first one. Now you say I'm like, yeah, that was because I I watched a Netflix show and mm-hmm. like she's in it mm-hmm. towards the end and it's only part like season one, so there's yeah. like a cliffhanger. Got it. But like she's perfectly alive in the show, but like you get to see some of her personality and yeah. I wonder like she's kind of like like she's like kind of like a, a Catwoman Selena Kyle type character oh, in the show. Sure. Where she's like, kind of like, like sneaking in to steal stuff, and like, kind of uses Cuphead and Mugman to like, to like do the dirty work for her sometimes. Them. But then yeah. like, they do become friends. She wants to like stick around, but she also like 
first sign of like real trouble, she just kind of like ditch them. So yeah, yeah. I don't know if like her personality comes out a little bit well, more. They don't. Sort of, they like uh, yeah. a, a little bit. You know, yeah. they don't talk in this game at all because yeah. they stick to that like that 1930s kind of vibe. But yeah. you get like a little bit of sense of their personalities because yeah. there's like a little bit of a story and it looks really looks beautiful. Obviously, the music is fantastic too. Mm-hmm. Great, great jam. Uh, blood. <laughs> Another game I never heard of until you listed this, and I was like, "What the hell is this?" Yeah. I was like, this is, like a, is this a Frosted Flakes video game or something? <laughs> That's what I thought too. Like Tony the Tiger game? But you've been playing a game called Freshly Frosted. Why don't you tell us about it? Yeah. So this was in like Wholesome or something. Um, okay. But uh, just totally like one of these things that would have never checked out, except it was just like. One of those games that's in the inbox, like in every every month, like pretty much, like I go through like all the games that we've gotten, and like okay, everyone have at it, free for all at this mm-hmm. point. Nobody's picked it up yet, and then it, the ones that are left, I'm just like, all right, well, I'll just redeem these on group accounts, or if I'm interested, I'll redeem it on my own account. And this is one of those. Or like I just like, all right, just put it on my Xbox, and I started playing it. And like I've been playing a lot of it, mm-hmm. uh, but it's a it's the donut game. Um, it's a puzzle game uh, revolving around uh, donuts. And what's interesting is that, like, the setup of it isn't that, like, you own a donut factory or something. It's like there's this, uh, there's this woman narrating, and she's kind of like, yeah, my mind is kind of like a donut factory. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, you're, everything that you're looking at, like, it's just like a background. It's just like pink clouds and stuff because you're just kind of looking. And, mm-hmm. and, and the way that the narration is delivered... It makes me feel like I'm, I'm like in a, a scene from like the Gilmore Girls, and we're just like chilling in the backyard, laying there, looking up at the sky, looking at the clouds. <laughs> okay, okay. So real chill, um, you know, kind of presentation. What you want for a puzzle game? Blood, right? That you... is a funny word for you to say, real chill, because I watched the trailer of this and I was like, this looks chaotic, <laughs> but organized at the same time. It was really weird. Yeah. And so the premise of it, and what's uh, what's really fun too with the donut theme, is uh, the the there's basically twelve boxes, twelve sets of levels, mm-hmm. and then there's like twelve levels per box. So it's all like dozens of donuts. Uh. Yeah. And uh, and so anyway, so the the basic setup is is that. Yeah, is it like a donut factory? And so your goal is to get the 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 donuts that come right out of the oven and get them to the delivery counter. And so you're creating conveyor belts. Oh, God. <laughs> so you're creating lines of conveyor belts to get from point A to point B. And um, as you're you're going through this, then, you know, sort of like overcooked, like there will be different, like, types of donuts mm-hmm. um, that people want. And so there will be different toppings. And so the toppings have to be put on a certain order. So, like... You'll get the frosting, and then you'll get the sprinkles, and then there might be whipped cream, and there might be cherries. And so, in some cases, it's just like, you know, whatever, get the donuts to the end. Yeah. When you first start out. And then it's like, okay, you need to have frosted donuts, but then we also need to have donuts with sprinkles, and you need to get all those to the end. But then other times, there will be like, okay, this specific counter needs this specific set of toppings and this specific counter needs that specific set of toppings mm-hmm. and then you've got all of these different stations and you're figuring out like okay how do I route you know the all conveyors to yeah. hit the stations and then um, and then get to the end 
And as you go through and through, like they just they start adding in more crazy elements. Like there's there's teleporters, and there's uh, oh my god, the one that will re- that really gets me sometimes is is a switcher. And so it's it looks like a windshield wiper, right? Oh, and so every time a donut passes through, it changes it changes tracks, uh. essentially. And so if you say once to have a donut with only frosting, then you can you know push that donut to the delivery counter, and then you push the next donut to get sprinkles and mm-hmm. so on and so on. And sometimes figuring out how to get those cycles and the right pathing it could like be brain breaking because it's like wait every time it goes through it just goes to the left i need it to go to i need to get the sprinkles and then i need it to go to the right and so like how do i yeah engineer it to do (laughs) (laughs) um and then uh there's another one that'll be uh it'll be like a push and so if the donut matches the type that's on the push machine it'll like knock it over to another track mm-hmm. so like you have like two parallel tracks and it's like okay uh, if it's if it's unfrosted it's just gonna go by but then once it comes if it gets frosted and it comes around again then it'll push to the next track and so it's it's just really interesting like going through and you know and and just sort of the way that your brain will like basically see the solutions or not see the solutions mm-hmm. <laughs> because a lot of the times, and, like, and then as you get to new boxes, that's like when they introduce the different mechanics. So a new box is almost sort of like a reset. It's like, okay, we're back to simple things again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So learn what this thing is and move on. Um, but the, uh, but yeah, so it's like you'll get this thing. Like, okay, what is this? Okay, I understand this. I get how this works. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you move on to the next thing. It's like, okay, I get it. And you know, it's like okay, and and you'll sort of sort of see the how the routes make sense and all of that, and then you'll get to this point where it's like, what? <laughs> Excuse me, you you want me? This is in the wrong corner. Move these things around, and then I can make the path work. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I, I uh, what? <laughs> yeah. And then and then you like poke at it and poke at it and poke at it. It's like that doesn't work. That doesn't work. That doesn't work. Uh, one thing that's nice is there is like a fast forward button. Oh, so that you know you if if you, if you aren't sure about some uh, something like you just hit that and like you that way you're not just sitting around waiting for the yeah. donuts to move around. Um, and uh, and then there's also uh, a hint option in the menu. Oh, and with uh, with a hint option, it's interesting because it might only show you like two or four blocks. Of the conveyor belt, mm-hmm. like a very small amount, but sometimes that'll be just just the exact same thing that you need to like shift your brain off of the wrong thing that you kept doing over and over yeah. again to try to find that path. Um, but some of them like have been really stumpers. Like I had one where it was like I've, I ended up like realizing like I've sat here on the same puzzle for like two hours. Oh <laughs> man! Like what am I what am I doing I wrong? And then puzzle. finally I hit the hint. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh. And then, like, right after I hit the hint, it was like, I had it. Like, is got it. Is there, like, a uh, penalty for using a hint or anything like that? Or do you no, you can even actually few? skip some. Oh. There's a skip button, too. Just like, I can't figure this out right now. I'm just oh, going to move on. Oh, okay. okay. Um, and uh, I remember Lords of Shadow had, like, some puzzles or whatever. Like, oh, you can skip it, but you won't get XP or something, I guess. Yeah. 
yeah, I'm not sure like how it all adds up in mm-hmm. the end, you know, okay. it may just be about like whether you can complete them all or not. Obviously there's achievements and stuff. Yeah. Um, and then there's another one where like, even with the hint, I was still like, it was, it was almost at my breaking point last time. It's almost where he's like, I'm just about ready to give up on this. <laughs> and eventually, eventually I got it. But yeah, it's one of those things like, you need a break once in a while. Yeah, absolutely. Come back with fresh absolutely. eyes. Uh, blood. One thing that I think that's always super important for a puzzle-focused game is the how they ramp up the puzzles, mm-hmm. how they introduce them to you. Do you feel like it's these new mechanics or harder puzzles are introduced at a good pace? Yeah, like I was saying, it, it's it's nice when you get to a new box because you get back to simpler things and, mm-hmm. and just like learning how a new thing works. Um, you know, and, but it's it's weird because that's the thing with puzzle games sometimes, Brad. Because it's like you'll get into a situation to where like. One person might know exactly what to do. It's like, oh yeah, da 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 yeah. da, and and you just won't see it. Yeah, and you're just like, uh, nope, that didn't do it. That didn't do it. That didn't do yeah, it. It's you like, know, and you just get yeah. to these, you know, you'll get to these like stumper points, and then you get to the next puzzle. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I've got it. Yeah, so it's it's weird to think about that kind of thing sometimes. But I think overall the progression is pretty yeah. good. Yeah, Blood reminds me of, like, I think of uh, From Software boss fights, you know. Mm-hmm. Everyone kind of has, like, this boss fight they get stuck on, I feel like. But some yeah. people cruise through it, but you might cruise through one that other people get stuck yeah. on. It's just, like... Oh, just another another thing that's cool about it, too, is that, like, once you get it all constructed, uh, it all kind of has, like, this, like, trance-like rhythm to it, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's, like, once the thing starts stamping down the toppings... You know, it just like it, it feels good, and the music is like I said, it's like it goes from being like this nice, peaceful music to then like once you get that engine running, it's like, oh yeah, this feels great. Like we got it, sweet. Yeah, yeah, cool. Uh, I think it looked delightful visually. Right? Yeah. Like, oh, this is very peaceful, I guess, but it it does look stress inducing to me at the same time. But <laughs> I love donuts, so yeah. I'm kinda what interested. is funny to me is that when you get into like because every box is like a different season, right? And it goes through like several years or whatever. Oh. Um, and and so some of them be like themed for like jack o' lanterns or stars or oh, whatever. Oh, cool. blood! Wow. Yeah, but the thing that's funny to me is always when they get into some of these different shapes. Like some of them just stop looking like donuts to me. It's like <laughs> this looks that? like cookies. Yeah, these, these look like Christmas cookies to me right mm-hmm. now. I yeah. Want them donuts? <laughs> I want them donuts? I oh. did get donuts this weekend though. Oh yeah. Nice. So Got to get donuts, man. Oh. Growing up, we would always get uh, donuts instead of birthday cakes in my family. Oh, oh nice. nice. Yeah. I hate birthday cakes. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm not that. a big fan of birthday cakes. Yeah. My mom would end up like getting me ice cream cakes and things like oh, that. Yeah. yeah, that's good. I could take that's ice good. cream cake. Yeah. Uh, the last game I want to talk about is something I've just been playing through recently because the sequel is close. Pretty close. I've been playing God of War on mm. PC. 2018 yeah, yeah, yeah. God of War. I finally got around to playing the Holy PC version. Toes. I haven't played this game... Since 2018, I guess, I, I went through it once, and this is a good game. As Mike would say, <laughs> Mike likes to call it the one true 10. <laughs> <laughs> one true 10, of course. And right. I still think this game holds up really damn well. To me, it feels like a game from 2018, obviously, but I still think what it does, it does very well. Yeah. Especially this time, like... When I think of God of War, I think of the new one. I think of the story, and I think of Kratos a lot, and Atreus, and like how they made this character that people hated, old Kratos, you know, angry Kratos, like all the time, mm. to like someone 
people actually care about more now. More than I ever yeah. thought people would have for Kratos. Definitely adding, I mean, obviously, full caveat, I didn't finish it. Uh, I got to a certain point, mm-hmm. but it like, was definitely a decent chunk of the game. Yeah. But like the nuance to Kratos' you know, characterization was kind of like nice. Yeah, and yeah it, quite it a step like up. a shift in that tone. Um, I think you know, it was kind of a stroke of genius adding in um, Atreus. I do too. Yeah. I was very worried about that at first because, like, and a lot of people were kind of like, so you "Yeah, are you gonna like, Last of Us, the God of War?" Exactly, because people were like old Kratos, like, "What a kid! Like, why you have like this kid tagging along?" Yeah. It's like, well, stakes, man. It's yeah. like he has to consider the well-being of this child mm-hmm. and can't, you know, he can't just like go all crazy and stuff and like do his old style. Like, it shows that. You know, just like the game is changing styles that people yeah. as they go older they, have to yeah, mature. Sure do. So it kind of went with a nice theme there. And like yeah. sometimes it pays off great, like in this. Sometimes like maybe it pushes back a little bit too hard, like uh, like your solid two, like having to play this right in. Like, you know, <laughs> that goes over a little differently. But like sometimes it's just, yeah, it's either genius yeah. or insanity. And like, you know, it's a thin line that separates the two yeah, sometimes. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it is. It's a thin line. And I do think it's interesting with Atreus, like this father figure more is like, Spoilers, I guess, for God of War 1, but Kratos was a father at a point. You know, he had, like, a family from before. But it's, like, it's really great to see him at this point of his life. Like, I've played all of them except Ascension because I got a game-breaking bug. Yeah. I played through the game and I couldn't finish it. But it has been really nice to see this this chemistry between Kratos and Atreus build throughout this game. I think it's done really well. To me, this game is really good writing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, like, they gave... The writing for Kratos, I think, is especially hard to do and well, and I think they've done a great job so with it so far. The, yeah. The other thing is, like, obviously God of War, the previous games, had combat. You know, it had, like, oh. the Devil May Cry kind of combat. This time around, like, the camera angle's completely different, everything like that. You got an axe now instead of the Blades of Chaos, and, man, the combat, I've been playing on a harder difficulty, and it's a lot more fun than I remember it being. There's a lot more flexibility than I remember there being, too. Yeah. Yeah, you can swap out moves and stuff. And yeah, and it's just, like, sick. Like, you know, I have the axe blood, and I threw it at a guy. and stuck in his head, and it froze him. And then I, like, beat up another dude with my fist at the time. I'm like, oh, dude, I just CC'd that guy. That was really <laughs> sweet. Just little things like that. Yeah, yeah, some of the fist moves are really good, too. Yeah, I think it was a good evolution, too, because mm-hmm. it went from being so heavily character action where yeah. it's like fast paced I mean yeah. flashy um, but it always struck such a harsh stark contrast with like the puzzle elements of the game mm-hmm. which you know I feel like the more methodical combat in the newer God of War mm-hmm. kind of match the pacing a little bit better when you had those like sh- like slower moments where yeah. they take in the sights, have some banter between him and Atreus or another character. Um, and then like maybe like, hey, we got to figure out how to traverse this room. And it's like, it felt more, for lack of a better word, organic or natural because, hey, like uh, you'll go over in this corner and like, I don't see anything. And Atreus, over here, you know, there's something here. Like, yeah. close your attention. Like, it just felt better that way. Whereas like God of War, even like up to like three felt kind of like, it's stuck Kratos. in like PS2 era game design sure, and just yeah. finally like moved on to do something a little yeah, bit more. Yeah, you know, Damian, it kind of reminded me of when I was playing it. It reminded me of Breath of the Wild when I was thinking like mm. Link has had companion characters throughout mo- many of the games who kind of like talk to you or I don't know, just make things a little more lively or something like that. I'm like Breath of the Wild, you know, it's just Link. 
and a lot of time it's just silence or something like that, mm-hmm. which is like, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but I think you can get a lot out of a character who's necessarily not known for talking a lot mm-hmm. if you have someone like that. So I wonder if they'll do that for the future. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's really, you know, indicative of how strong all that stuff is by the fact that, you know, when you're on the boat and you have those conversations and it's yeah. like, I don't want to get off the boat yet. I want to finish this. Yes. I want to hear the rest of this. You know, it all yes. it all feels good and satisfying. Yeah, that's one thing I think the game does also pretty well is its, exact, is it, its exploration. Like, yes. it's like semi-open world, I would say. There's areas that are connected, but it's not like, you know, Elden Ring or something like that. It's just like little areas. There's like a, a main kind of area in the middle, but everything's kind of out from that point yeah, on. Yeah, just having more space to move around and just do mm-hmm. wonders for it. I mean, yeah, even when you're on the boat, like, can I go over here? Mm-hmm. And, like, just sure, some side quests like, you could do, yeah. stuff like that. So it opened up the game a little bit more, and that like something I like to see, because you don't, as you said, it's not open world, doesn't need to ever go open mm-hmm. world, in my opinion. There are those like incremental steps up from like linear, more old style of God of War, or like linear old school RPGs yeah. to something like this, where... It, it feels like you there's purpose and meaning behind the environmental designs mm-hmm. and right. like that it's not just always combat it's that go over here and check this out like there's like from dangling collectibles like tossing the axe yep. I forget what they were to like hit those the, things the ravens yeah Odin's mm-hmm. ravens just had that to like going back to like uh, NPC to mm-hmm. like you know upgrades or st- stuff like that get more side story stuff that optional was, boss fights too yeah. exactly yeah, yeah. man I, I was just thinking about how cool just the idea of throwing the axe and being able to call it back wherever you are is so rad and brilliant. I love that. I can't wait to see how they incorporate stuff like that more in the sequel. Because, you know, there's some puzzles in the game where you, like, you got to, like, throw the axe over here and then go to a different area to have it come back to you and yeah. cut something on the way. Just stuff like that. I'm really curious to see uh, see them dive into more. But um, the PC version's been pretty nice. It's, yeah. like, playing this game at a really high frame rate has been super sick. I like that. It's cool because I know there was the PS5 patch, but I didn't really play it. But it's been nice and looking forward to finishing it and seeing what Ragnarok has in store. Uh, Are you dudes ready for some emails? Mm -hmm. Or I guess they're not emails anymore. Just so you know, all the frame trap replacing checking the email that we used to have is going to be a Patreon post a few days before each shoot. So if you're a fight on up patron, you can post a comment in there. I will go through that and pick things out of there. So that's nice. how things will be handled in the future, yeah. like the rest of our shows. Yeah. yeah, just to kind of streamline it all. All right, first uh, comment. I'm just calling emails because I they're, they're just emails <laughs> forever. <laughs> uh, this is from Jeremy Gellery. Said hi team or hi Brad and team. With 2022 officially halfway through and the general sense of holiday releasing shipping up, I'm already feeling preemptively bored and exhausted by the prospect of Elden Ring being crowned goatee by every outlet. <laughs> My question for y'all is, is Elden Ring your personal goatee so far this year? While any game can surprise us by being better than expected, like Guardians of the Galaxy, what second half of 2022 game do you think has a chance of being a critically acclaimed as so much to make goatee debate interesting? Uh, well, that God of War Ragnarok right there? It, yeah. God of War Ragnarok, yeah, yeah. definitely would put up a huge fight. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, don't count a Kratos out, man. Yeah. So I will say for everything I've played this year, Elder Ring to me is easily my goatee. I don't know about you, Damiani. I think maybe as you played this a lot too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm in the same boat. Like, it, it, I could see a God of War Ragnarok coming out, and mm-hmm. you know, 
being the like the challenger that could you know stand up to Elden Ring. Uh, for me, it uh, on the radar. It's like the only thing that has a chance. But it's, I think it's more like so for someone like me, and maybe not with the whole, like, especially within our group, is like Xenoblade Three, right? Because yeah. like I'm gonna play that. We ended the highs of one that I felt when I played one, and we even surpassed that. I would definitely fight very hard for it. I don't expect it to win within the group, but like right. just being realistic here, maybe like so. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of like yeah, settling on Elden Ring at the moment, but I could be pleasantly surprised. I almost think like yeah, if you're worried about it, hey, we'll have an internal discussion. Maybe we'll make a best game of the first half of mm-hmm. 2022 mm-hmm. and the best game of the rest of 2022. <laughs> I mean, we can do whatever there you we go. want. There you go. No, I'm just kidding. I think it'll be it'll be late. It'll be after the the Keeley cut off. Uh, but uh, oh, Callisto Protocol. Oh, I, yes. I hope so. I heard you're very hyped about this game. That makes me excited. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I'm just you know seeing that team, you know, be put in there with a fresh start and being able to do Dead Space. You know, basically, what yeah, basically whatever they want to do with it, mm-hmm. um, and then. Yeah, I'm I'm curious how it's all going to play out. What we've seen so far looks fantastic. Yeah, yeah, uh, it sure does. I guess you know, if anything, the main concern would be if it feeling just too samey or too linear or, or yeah, something sure. along those lines. But yeah. um, lots of death animations. It yeah. seems. Yeah. One thing I I see like a lot of people were like, they get disappointed if something they expect gets nominated or wins. Like uh, Jeremy saying, they're like already bored at the idea of Elden Ring winning Goaty. Yeah, and I kind of take umbrage with that because like if it's obvious, if it's, it's, it's yeah, if it, are you gonna give it to something else just to give it to something exactly? Else? Yeah. Like I don't want to be contrarian about it. Like I want to give the award to the game that I truly think is the best. Yeah, and there have been so many years where games that come out so early get forgotten and stuff. It just it's more of a testament to Elden Ring that comes out that early and it's still dominating and like projections to win yeah that it, it's breaking kind of that mold because game of the year awards definitely do favor the second half mm-hmm. of the year so if like a god award does come out and clitzo protocol is great and zombie three like some people i mean i think elden ring three elden ring three yeah right elden ring will have a, a very very still strong chance but mm-hmm. like i feel like a lot of the conversation they might even be biased against elden ring at yep. that point like man it was so expected Mayo right. good, it got awarded to be different and stuff. Yeah, even though, like, totally. Yeah, That's like, a real thing. Gotta, yeah, the, all those concerns come into play. Uh, you brought up games kind of being forgotten. Yeah. <laughs> this next question okay. is from Josh Reed. How much do you think Horizon Forbidden West gaming discussion has been affected uh, has been affected by its close re- releasing proximity to Elden Ring? I love the game, but by the time I finished it, nobody was talking about it anymore. Right. The fact that EZA never had a spoiler mode for it, to me, shows that it somehow just failed to capture the tension of the gaming industry in the way the first game did, despite Forbidden West being a much better game than most, or in, in most ways. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm partly at the disadvantage because I still haven't played the first game yet, and it's like, <laughs> right. it's not a series it where I want to jump into the second the game. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, yeah, that, that's it's the difficulty with open worlds, right? Because it's like, okay, yeah, I can juggle Elden Ring and Freshly Frosted. I can juggle Elden Ring and Gran Turismo. I don't think I can juggle Elden Ring and another giant open world exactly. game at the same time. Yeah, it, yeah. 
it's it's hard to ask pe- to people to play two overworld games back to back. Just yeah, it's just so unfortunate that May, June, kind of like like from late April onward for the last two months, kind of like opened up with like a wide yeah. open schedule. Yeah, obviously there were still games coming out, but man, if they could have just like a month before, it, month later, just pushed it back like to the Q two, like some mm-hmm. like April, May, especially May. If they took that May spot where like virtually nothing came out in May, mm-hmm. might have been a whole different story. But it's just bad, yeah. like luck, timing, whatever you want to call it. Like, I mean, yeah, like everyone has high expectations from software, but like, Elden could have just been like not as great. It's like they're not infallible from software. Like, it yeah. could have just been like, oh, it's good, but like, I still like Bloodborne or Sekiro better. Right. Like, they can't really do open world very well. Yeah, they didn't have as much focus. It could have been like the the problem they fell into, but they didn't. Right. Like, yeah. Story. Yeah. I guess so. Me and Huber are the only two people here currently that have beaten Horizon, I believe. Think, mm. Yeah. And I played this pretty soon after Elden Ring. And to me, they're just completely different type of open world games. I think Horizon Forbidden West is a very good game. And I could like if you liked the first one, like easily can recommend that kind of open world game to you. But I just preferred the style of Elden Ring type open world games more. More about me figuring out the pieces, I guess, and just going out and exploring and not knowing what's there. Like, Horizon is a lot on the map. There's nothing wrong with that if you like that kind of game. I just think maybe the kind of mystique of Elden Ring really captures people. And yeah. also, it's on every platform. Um, like, it's on right, everything. True. And Horizon's on two platforms right now, so a lot less people to play it. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I do feel bad for Horizon, I guess, because they got... This is the second time this is kind of happening. <laughs> right. Happened with Breath of the Wild. I could. This is a game I could see people coming back to later and be like, "Oh, this game's great." Yeah. Like, why is no one talking about this kind of thing? Yeah, that's the thing. It's like it's it's not like I don't want to play the game. It looks really cool. I just yeah. have never been able to like sink my teeth in. Yep. And open world games, I think, are the hardest for me to do that. You know. Yeah. There's, you a, there's a ton of ton of games that I haven't you know really gotten all the way into you know yeah. ghost of tsushima like assassin's creed you know yeah lately yeah. and it's like it, it's just really hard to have that level of investment because it's like okay am i gonna play this and then like skim through it mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. just yeah, main path really that's not to. really yeah and yeah, not getting as like it really does hurt though so sure it can yeah. help in like yeah the the audience reception, I think, yeah, is, is super important for yeah, sure. Yeah, because I don't think there was any FOMO with Horizon. This, it didn't yeah, seem like as much. Yeah. There was FOMO with Elden Ring, for yeah, sure. Yeah, that's the thing. Absolutely yeah, there yeah. was. Like, everyone was talking about that game. Yeah. But I think Horizon will be all right, but... Yeah, because you mentioned like Ghost of Tsushima, like that absolutely had its like it did. time, and like it everyone did. was playing. Everyone I was talking do about wonder. It. So if that could have done it, I think Horizon. Could yeah, have had that I just wonder if it's because it's a sequel too, and maybe people are just feeling super burnt out on open world. It seems to be that too. Yeah, that this time maybe it'll flip around. Like I wonder if Ghost of Tsushima two will be judged harsher by the audience. P- possibly, yeah, I could see that. Or even Ragnarok, maybe. Maybe it won't be as, yeah, like, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it like won't feel as new that yeah. people want or something. We should just do, like, a, be, like, Masters of Time and find a way to make <laughs> Breath of the Wild 2 come out the same time as Elden Ring. Oh, and then we could really know the That answer. would be a debate. Yeah, who would have won the Zeitgeist then? Who would have won? Good Lord. Where the internet just crashed. I would have crashed. My brain would have Yeah, people would have crashed. I would have known. I'm like, ah! All right, this one is from Connor Rosen. This is a long one, so buckle up. 
My question is, have we been paying for the indulgence of E3's past? In the wake of Summer Games Fest, I heard a lot of discussion about how we can get back to the spectacular E3s of the late 2010s. But I think there's two things to pull apart. Keeley is in charge of making the curtain nice and lifting is well done, but it's developers and publishers who are putting things behind it to unveil. On that front, there's two elements that of those incredible E3s, uh, years that we've still catching up on. The first is the dreams element. You can only do FF7 remake or RE7 uh, once, and unveiling Resident Evil 8 or FF7 Rebirth will never hit as hard. The next 3D Mario game won't be seen as exciting as Odyssey because Odyssey was coming off of 3D World. Domino is taking maybe some armor drip down already. <laughs> and so, so it was nice to see a return of form. While the next Mario game will be a follow-up to Odyssey, how many bombs are left to drop? The second is how many games are still in development that things have are, and things that have already been announced. A lot of the big-name developers are already working on things that were announced maybe too early. Coupled with uh, the COVID factor, you think the problem is that with SGF slash E3 is that publishers just went too big in 2015 through 2019 period and we're still catching up rather than any sort of presentation of formatting issues. So I guess... Yeah, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a presentation and formatting. It's just that it just those games aren't being announced right now. Yeah, you know, like particularly with the absences that we had. You know, yeah, like you don't have all three big, oh, the three big in one place kind of right. thing anymore. Everything's like spread out so thin or like stretched so thin. Like Nintendo and Sony still basically haven't shown their E3 presentation. <laughs> yeah. Like they, yeah. you know, yeah, uh, they just said nope. See you later. Yeah, and that's where that's where the big things tend to happen is those three press conferences, right? Like, you might get something cool at the end of a Ubisoft press conference, which also still won't happen until September now. Oh yeah, so. <laughs> why? Why so? <laughs> I don't. I don't understand. So, yeah, it's uh, it's just it's it's just this year, and it's like, and you know, I, I you know, I I think that. Jeff's show in particular, mm-hmm. like there's only so much that he can do in that show, right? You know, as, because the other places, the other destinations are going to be the bigger draw, no matter what, you know. And the best piece that Jeff can play is to try to get everybody to do their things right. at the same time, right? right Rather right. than him putting like his show is not the the main event. The main event is just like everybody being there in the same week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree with everything that was said there. Um, I, 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 I do think it's like a lot of it is just like on developers, publishers, like the you know, the people making these shows can't control it. But um, I do think there's more that can be done to incentivize companies to, to maybe participate a little bit more, uh, to be a little bit more involved. Um, and I think things are changing about game development where I don't always, I don't. So I'm not a game developer. I know there's lots of game developers who go on record say like making that E3 demo is a terrible thing and like it interrupts things. But more and more, I am seeing companies that just straight up make demos or sessions Square for the games anywhere. Enix is doing that it's a lot. literally part of their development cycle. It might not be ready in time for E3, which maybe the larger discussion is the timing of when these events should be happening. Should maybe Keeley can reach out to these companies and get a feel of like when's maybe the more sweet spot to do something. So one thing you can do is maybe shift 
when this event is happening to better align with developers so that maybe like the fall is when they were like, hey, we, we most of our stuff is close to being complete or have a demo ready by fall would be way easier than the beginning of summer or even middle of summer. We could work with you on that. Mm-hmm. And that, that's more for like in person, which is the second part I want to get at. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot potentially Keeley can do to address, I think part of the issue is not just the announcements and like companies aren't participating in like Nintendo even do a proper like summer direct um, and Sony didn't do a first party showcase right. either. Um, that's like on them, but like even I think this past summer Game Fest could have been more meaningful to someone like me if more of the things that are shown off were in playable form. Like yeah. Resident Evil Four being playable there would have been yeah. like a demo would have been amazing. I think showing The Last of Us actual gameplay would have helped a lot. Yeah, mm-hmm. or just having it like playable at Keeley's thing somehow because it's yeah. coming out like that. Now there's a whole multitude of reasons. We just talked about like the whole thing about a build can be an issue, but mm-hmm. the other thing that like one of the pitfalls of E3 was the the time and cost sink that it was. Yeah, it that was. it cost so much money, so much resources. Maybe this is an opportunity for Keeley and his associates to maybe lessen that burden. Oh. I've like known people who've like worked in like the do the booths for these companies and like what it involves, how ridiculously in advance at the planet. Whereas I know it was smaller scale, but Keeley seemed to be providing almost all the assets, like the 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 space, maybe even the TVs. Samsung like, provided like, the TVs. Yeah. yeah. If he could do that on a larger scale, mm-hmm. where it's like, hey, you're not like everyone. Like you tell me how many things do you need? Like how many games and how many stations you're bringing? I will have that all like in advance. We'll have that set up for you. You don't need to do these crazy design booths anymore. It's going right. to be standardized so that it's. Better for the attendees to get more hands-on with stuff. It's more structured, mm-hmm. and the cost and time is you don't need to show up early oh, to like days early to set up your booth. All you, like Keely can have templates for the signage. It's like just give me your specs, and like if they want to like wait till later or something like for secrecy, it's like well sure, like I'll give you the specs. You just make it like mm-hmm. yourself if you really want to do it. Just has to adhere to this, and then all they have to really do is show up the day of to set up the con- hook up the consoles to TVs and make mm-hmm. sure they run well. Like there's a lot I think they could be do there to streamline that process to make it better for everybody because it seemed like such a hang-up and headache. Yeah. I know this doesn't quite answer this question, but in an indirect way, I think it does because if someone like Keila can make it more uh, just easier to get into, mm-hmm. I think more companies might play ball with him, and if he could sync it to a better time of year, then maybe we could get this focused event again and yeah. it would like get the snowball rolling. Do you think I like this approach of maybe just having more like less flashy booths but more stations or something like yeah. that? Yeah. Do you think the public would be cool with like that a lot more? Do, I feel like some people like the spectacle of okay. things. Yes, people like the spectacle, but at the end of the day, people are really going to it. Just want to a lot of most people just there wanna just want to play the damn game. And if you ask anyone's been to like at least one E3, they'd be like that wanted to play games, they'll like, complain about the lines. Yeah. And this can reduce do. that as well to a certain extent. Uh, especially for people who maybe like aren't like they don't have appointments, but they still have public stations. I think this is the way to go, and it kind of piggybacks a little bit off of like the industry media area of Gamescom, where it's not as flashy back there, right. and they have like the kind of more standardized square-looking booth setups. Just mm-hmm. make that universal. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would like that. Or the uh, the upstairs rooms at E3 when you're in the, the meeting it, rooms. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I don't get to do those. That's, I mean, it, that's. Blowworth and Damiani joints. You haven't been to any of those? No, the, those are usually Nintendo. I haven't been to any of those. No, those are not. No, 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 Nintendo's no, no, no. never this done like those. This is like the third floor of uh, oh, the LA Convention like, Center. Oh, I thought you were talking like 
on the floor, second story. No, no, no okay. on the show yeah. floor. Although Nintendo's, I've never done that. Nintendo's Nintendo booth kind of is like that. Yeah, too, I've never done that. Yeah. Well, a lot of publishers had like versions of builds that were only up on like the third floor. Yeah, I think in, I've like, done smaller that. meeting mm-hmm. rooms. I mean, we, or the uh, you've done the Sony room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just basically a bunch of back to back TVs. Those are super nice for us. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like I, I feel like, and, like, and even from developers back in the when it was like the the shit show it was was complaining like this. I feel like everyone was just competing for the wrong reasons mm-hmm. about like either sound, visuals, flashing. Yeah. It's like swag. I swear, almost every developer would probably be like, "Thank you, we don't want it to be about this." And if like the people attending are all about this too, like this sounds great. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, E three definitely became a theme park. It sure did, yeah. <laughs> Fortnite stuff was crazy there. Even early on, yeah. you know, like even my Before first years, there, you yeah. know, like freaking yeah. Charles Martinet puppeteering a Wario <laughs> thing, you know, yeah. getting the crowd to chant Xbox sucks, yeah. Xbox sucks. <laughs> oh my god, I will like I get it. Some of the spectacle was nice to see at times, like yeah. some of the cool booths yeah, and sure. everything. But I mean, there's a, I think there's a time and a place for that. This is a industry trade show that should go back to being first and foremost, mm-hmm. where it is to showcase the new products and get people to play them and talk about them um, and, and begin that cycle. Whereas like you got something more like a traditional like consumer convention, like a San Diego Comic Con, uh, like that, where like that should absolutely have exuberant like extravagant booths, mm-hmm. where like you're trying to sell products there. You literally, like even the game companies are selling their games there. It's like this is a sales thing here. Right. You're not doing that at E3, well, but I think that's what old E3 was, it's, you know. And I mean, still to some degree is, you know. But it's like they weren't selling direct to consumers, oh, yes. But they were selling, selling to, to Best Buy. They were they, selling to GameStop, and so that. But they have something for that, that now, though, was, you know? which is funny. They evolved because now they have like the GameStop trade show, or right. the the thing in Las Vegas now, where they go there and show all the distributors. Here's our upcoming year of products, yeah. And how much do you want to buy from us? Yeah. So I think that's the thing is, is like if the focus is just on the media. Um, or you know a mix of media and public, you know, like all of the all three of these different things have have different mm-hmm. different approaches. But it's like, yeah, if if your idea is just to get the media to cover your game, then making it super loud and crazy isn't the way to yeah. go about it. Yeah, I think it also solves the issue. Like even when like people like still point to like about control and publisher like the independent publisher, sorry, individual publisher events. But usually publishers have to cover like travel costs, hotel. If everyone was already going to E3, like that's now off they their books, do they don't have to pay there. for those expenses mm-hmm. anymore. And on top of all these other savings they could have, mm-hmm. it would incentivize them. Like we're gonna have so many people here, and it's gonna be like, and we have all this space now. We this is a. I imagine it would be more amicable to them yeah. to do something like this and come back and yeah. do something like this again. Like, like I'm talking about like EA maybe coming back, like getting like uh, Mike yeah. shot to come back inside, like to like Healy's <laughs> yeah, their own to separate thing. Be inside it it yeah. would be really nice to have everyone under one roof, so to speak, again. Yeah, I wonder if they could do it even somewhere like smaller, like the Anaheim Convention Center or something. Yeah, I don't know if Anaheim Convention is technically smaller than LA Convention well, Center, not but like two because it's them, more are there. Well, Anaheim Convention Center has like multiple floors. Like, yeah, I know, but floors. like, but like, LA has like multiple floors that are I think two LA separate is technically the biggest one. But a- a- ACC is not that much smaller. Okay. Neither is San Diego Comic. Okay. Like, San Diego Convention Center is not that much smaller either. Okay. So I don't know. When you said small, I thought you were talking about like like about to say like a no, hotel no, 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 or no, something. No, 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 no. That's too small. <laughs> I mean, sure. If like they want a different venue, like I don't think it would hurt to maybe like, potentially change locations. E three, from what I remember in the like the final years of E three, is like there would be like. Huge sections of those halls that just there's no there's nothing really there's nothing. Yeah. I mean, 
Sure. Like, I mean, I think some of the like ideal place for maybe developers and publishers would possibly be Vegas because like they have all this fun stuff to go do after, yeah. and like there's like endless amounts of convention center space there. So like it would be really easy to book one location and mm-hmm. have the space they need. But uh, uh, yeah. CES has been doing. I, it. I don't know how well selfishly like that. hope. Or selfishly hope Anaheim because it's close to us. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I, like I'm like I not yeah, PSX I'm not, was so sweet. I'm when not it was closer there. to it, Brad. But uh, uh, freaking my roommate Simmons and I forever yeah. like wanted like E3 to go to Anaheim Convention. Oh really? We just think it's a better setup because of all the hotels right uh, there. Right there, more hotels yeah. Right, yeah, there, right there. More things within easy walking distance with like more pedestrian friendly. Mm-hmm. I, that's hilarious saying Anaheim is more pedestrian friendly than like a city, but it technically <laughs> is in yeah. that specific area because of Disney yeah. making it that. Way right. because it's all Disney. Yeah, that like, mouse watches those yeah. streets, and it has opened up to so many food places and stuff. It's just like everything is right there. It just creates so much space. It's like it's a good place to do it. I would think. Yeah, I, I am so curious. San Diego. I am curious what locations they might go with, but um, hopefully easy for us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing though. Is like I, you know, I feel like they may still stick with something that's a little bit on the smaller scale than a convention center. Yeah. Because yeah, anytime huge. any convention center you get into, like you mm-hmm. get into all of these union guidelines and exactly. everything. And, and, you know. Yeah, I guess if anyone's going to do it, well, Keely's the guy, though. Yeah, I mean, without giving away, like those pseudo look, like the sort of location where it gets, like it's not hard to imagine picking a bigger kind of like a more like warehouse type environment that's even bigger next mm-hmm. time that can yeah. house. I mean, heck, the 2007 E3 at the the Barker Hangar, or whatever. Like, get like a big like giant <laughs> space like that. They're definitely like, yeah. Especially nowadays, they're big open like you know warehouses that are just like sitting there. You know, no businesses anymore. Uh, I want to bring up this point that Connor wrote in this about sure. not having that that dreams element because you know there is no more Final Fantasy VII remake whispers kind of going on but and like mario odyssey follow-up not being as exciting i still think there's plenty of excitement and there's still plenty of games to come that yeah there's no reason to write off of mario just because the usual suspects are starting to be like checked off the box like i mean i think this point the only thing left is halo or not halo half-life 3 is like the last like (laughs) of those types of dreams but the some of the best types of dreams the ones you even know in silent hill are the ones you'd even know you wanted yeah like true I don't think anyone actually wanted like Odyssey, Odyssey. Like uh, people like, w- l- l- we want like, 64. People too. want 64, but like people just want another great 3D Mario game. And like mm-hmm. here comes Odyssey. But Bowser's Fury, do you even know you wanted that? No. And like, right. Uh, saying that's like a, a full blown game, like a full like 10 to 15 hour 3D Mario game that's more like Bowser's Fury than Odyssey or Galaxy is like, whole, I can't wait to see that. I mm-hmm. hope that is what they're like. That's a dream of mine. I mean, big things like just even a, just another 3D Mario game is will always be a big deal. I feel like, and like you you want dreams. There's still things that haven't happened that like they may never happen, but you know, that's why we dream. I mean, freaking, I'd love to see a proper full ground up remake of Ocarina of Time. I mean, like right next to like Final Fantasy VII game, this treatment's like, yo, yeah. I'm glad you made that 3DS version that's never gonna see the light of day on any other platform. <laughs> why would they put you. it on Switch? Dobby? Yeah, like, it's damn like, it. put, like you mean you can start by porting that, but heck, I would like. Man, that game, like, with, like, so many things, like, the cut content from it and all these, like, things oh, on it, there's so far they could go yeah, with that, you're that, gonna, that you're insanity. crazy, but oh, that's man, they a cool could. dream. And people would love it and eat yeah, it up. I would eat that up all day. No question. Yeah. I mean, Metroid Prime 4 could be another dream. Like, we know it's coming, but what is it actually? Is it what just is literally right? more of the same? Is it more ambitious? It's like, I know I'm sticking with, like, Nintendo stuff here, but, like... 
freaking like I dream of revengeance too. It's like I don't care. Like it just just show me that logo on we're yeah, go we're going, what if man. It's like Kojima's like, yo, new Metal Gear. Just yeah, just a new Metal, new metal Gear, Gear starring Sonny as the main character. Sonny <laughs> is the operative uh-huh. now. Yeah, I mean, sixteen was one for just seeing it in action yeah. was a big one. Yeah, like, was, that yeah. happened. I mean, there's still things like a lot of people's dream right now is the next near game. What is it gonna be like and stuff? Uh, yeah, like, new near game. There's always someone who has a dream that might you not you might not share with them. But so like, I don't think there's any shortage yeah. of surprises. Like for us personally, it's like what made that fifteen 2015 for us so special is like we love Final Fantasy VII. Yeah. And Hubert loves yeah, Shenmue. Like that, the man yeah. cried, you know? It's like, you can only get that so many times, but there's still so many games Huber would lose his mind for. Exactly. And then, like... Shenmue 4 could get announced and Huber would cry again. Yeah, and The Last Guardian had, like, you know, tr- yeah. like troubled development history. So, yeah. I mean, there are yeah. games that can also come out that have troubled history that, like, finally go dark for forever and then come back it's well, like whoa yeah it's like, like metroid dread yeah like, metroid dread yeah quite the same impact as the last guardian but like still nintendo fans like, like what it's yeah. real it's happening like okay. you brought up uh last guardians like you bet your ass i'm excited for his new game oh yeah wait his new yeah, thing. yeah. We, don't, like, we know he's working yeah exactly yeah. Epic, yeah exactly we're gonna be pumped for that i know us three specifically yeah yeah, I, I mean, I still think E3, like, the E3 magic can still for sure happen. It's just, like, it, it's been weird. COVID has been a huge yeah. blunder to all of this kind of thing. But, yeah. I, I also, like, E3 just it, itself as an event yes. faltering. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm it's so like, curious to see what they're going to do next year. What the crap is going to happen next year? They're, they're like, the, yeah, we're going to in-person. The and it's like, battling. Are you? Conventions, yeah, Keeley versus E3. <laughs> I guess we'll see. All right, boys, I think that's it for Frame Trap. That was Woo! a good time. I enjoyed that yeah. very much. I hope you all enjoyed that. Our this is the new Frame Trap. It'll be me and Damiani on every episode, and we'll have a new rotating guest every time. Bloodworth, thanks for sharing about that. That frosted yeah. game, Frost. like crazy donut puzzle <laughs> action, dude. Nuts, had a great time. Uh, But yeah, I think we're going to get out of here. So thanks for watching, everybody. We will see you all next time.